So it is 7 p.m. We will kick this off. Uh, do I hear uh, a motion to um, call the meeting to order? So moved. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Okay. Thank you. And um, one comment or one, one topic before we uh, go into public input. Uh, Kristen is not here. Uh, some of you may have heard that uh, Kristen has resigned. I think, um, thank you, I think Michelle also posted that. Uh, and we, we have a, we will talk to that on the agenda, but Kristen did ask um, if I could uh, read uh, a very brief uh, letter. So I, I was gonna do that to kick it off. Um, <clears throat> it says, uh, for personal reasons, it has become necessary that I step down from my role as school committee member. This was not my plan and I am incredibly disappointed that I will not be able to complete my elected term. I want to thank Tim, Michelle, Leo, and Will for being supportive teammates over the past seven months. I'd also like to thank Dr. Morrison and the incredible team that is the Medfield Public Schools for always being willing to discuss and tackle important issues. Our community is so fortunate for all of you and of course, our amazing educators. Thank you for being advocates for public education and always putting our children first. It has been my great joy to support our community by serving as a member of this important committee. I want you to know that I will be cheering you all on from the sidelines and you have my full and complete support. Wishing you all my best, Nick Kristen. So um, anyway, so that, uh, you know, just, I, I mean, amongst this, I was, um, uh, you know, disappointed, saddened. Um, I know I, I saw what Kristen brought to the table. I, I, I said to Kristen, I said, we are better now because of the time you had and that, you know, that momentum will continue. So I, I, I say it, I mean, officially, thank you to Kristen and, and uh, for, for serving and um, it's a very nice letter. Um, so I'm not sure if there's any other yeah, I spoke with her briefly yesterday, and I know this wasn't um, a decision that she took lightly. And so I also want to thank her for her time. She, you know, was an active, enthusiastic, and engaged member since day one. Um, and I really appreciated um, everything she brought, not just to here, but we served together in the SBC as well. So um, just want to thank her for her time and yeah, making us better in the time that she was able to be with us. So I echo those sentiments. I was really excited to have her, um, you know, join, and I know she would, um, her dedication, you know, to anything she puts her, um, she's involved with is, is very clear, so, um, but I'm appreciative for the time we were, you know, understand, you know, the, you know, the people's pressures and other things they have going on, so I appreciate the time we did have her on the team, and I think she'll be great to work with outside of the, you know, still be participate, so. So, um, and we are, I think, um, recording as well and on Zoom. Uh, so first we'll take public input. Uh, members of the public will be welcome to comment during the public input through Zoom or here in the room. Um, if here, please come up to the mic. If you're on Zoom, please raise your Zoom, Zoom hand uh, and turn on your camera. In either case, uh, please share your name and address and we ask that you follow school committee policy for public input, including speaking for no more than three minutes and only under topics, only on topics under the purview of the school committee. So is there any public input? 
here. No, uh, if anyone on Zoom uh, wants to participate in public comment, you can raise your Zoom hand. Nothing. Okay. Um, first on the agenda is the or first item is the consent agenda. Um, there are three items. Just let me know if any of those items need to be called out to be voted on separately. Um, approval of the regular meeting minutes on 11-2-2023. Um, eighth grade Washington, D.C. trip approval and uh, donations. And um, donations I, uh, I will read as well. Um, there's a $5,000 from the Medfield Youth Basketball Association to be deposited in Blake gift account to be used for a uh, new score, school, scoreboard at the Blake Middle School and uh, $1,000 from Medfield Outreach to the high school gift account to help fund the Chris Heron presentation at Medfield High School. Um, so um, anything that needs to be called out? Is there any uh, motion to approve the items on the consent agenda? So moved. Second. Okay, all in favor? Aye. Aye. Okay, good. Thank you. Um, awesome. So going into new business, uh, first up is the summer R&D presentations. So uh, I think, come on up, Christine, Matt, Brenda, uh, Marianne, is that right? Mm -hmm. up there. So and Heather. Little, excuse me? And Heather. Okay. So as you know, um, each year you folks allocate money for research and development over the summer, and um, we've able to fund a lot of really good uh, projects. So we're going to show you three tonight that we're, we'll highlight, um, but I know Christine will go over some of the other projects that we had over the summer. As we get into the budget season coming up really soon, we'll know that we'll let you know what, what the allocation is and hopefully you'll support it again. It's one of the three buckets of professional development that we, we have for our district. Um, we have the conference, we have the course reimbursement, and we have the R&D. So hopefully um, it's always been a priority for the district to, uh, to keep this moving forward. So thank you, Christine. Okay, everyone. Hi, everyone. Thank you for the opportunity to present about our summer R&D program. Uh, the R&D program is unique to Medfield Public Schools and one that is truly a personal honor to help coordinate. As any educator can tell you throughout the year, there's lots of ideas that are always percolating. Uh, and it happens when you're teaching a lesson and you realize there's maybe you can tweak that and make that improve the lesson. It's uh, when you're walking down the hallway and you're thinking about your own personal development needs and the ways to coordinate with your, your colleagues. It's larger scale items that are happening in a building or within the district, things that really would take opportunities to pull a bunch of educators together to really buckle down and really work together towards a larger, greater whole. The biggest challenge usually on these cases is the time and space. Teachers do an amazing job adjusting and, and modifying and improving and building and creating, and they do all those things incredibly well. Uh, but when it comes time to do some of these larger scale items, there just isn't time and there isn't space to coordinate and bring everyone together. And that's where R&D comes in. R&D provides an opportunity for educators to actualize these, these amazing ideas and these amazing projects that are in their heads and they're really thinking about and they're trying to go forward. And so it is my personal pleasure to really talk about this today. Now, a little bit about the program itself. 
Okay. Um, it's actually a multi-step process and it actually starts right around April vacation. At that point in time, we send out a call for proposals to all educators within the district. And the uh, call for proposals gives the teachers an opportunity to really think about these projects that they've been thinking about and also seeing how it aligns to the different structures that we have in place, specifically the strategic plan, as well as any building or, or department level or grade level initiatives. And so teachers right then get received this call for proposal and they start working together to start developing these proposals and then they submit them. And then at that point, the leadership team gathers together and they we review them and we look at them in terms of alignment to the strategic plan or other initiatives that are going on. And we also look at an opportunity for really to make these come to life. Um, one part of this I love is playing matchmaker. What happens inevitably is that sometimes there are great ideas that happen in one building and another idea that happens in, the, in another building and then the same idea, but the fact that they're just in two separate buildings that they're not aware of these things happening. So that's an opportunity for us to really match those folks together and really have them think about it from beyond a department level. Maybe it's something like a building or even a district level initiative that just may come out from and bubble up from these proposals themselves. So we go around, we, we look at the projects, we do our best to fund as many as possible. And, and in many cases, we, we fund a lot of them. And then we I notify the, the teachers and then they work. Now, over the summer, they work in a variety of different places. They may come into their classrooms in the schools, but they also may be working from home, from a library, via Zoom, but they're working on these projects together. And at the end of the summer, they submit these projects to me, and then they disseminate them. They share them with their colleagues. They share them with their, their uh, building leadership. And at that point, they get implemented right away. And that's really magical because it's happening, something that they conceive, they've been thinking about it by the following fall that they can go right into the classroom. So here's a snapshot of September 2023. There were 26 approved projects and 64 individual educators. The one thing I really keep in mind is although there were 64 individual educators does not mean that 64, there were 64 specific people working that. There were far more than that. Many of our educators, they're fantastic. They work on multiple projects. So you can have a teacher who conceives and thinks about an individual or a team project who are also working in a building level project or a district project as well. The other thing I want to highlight is that these projects represent from all different five, five different schools, so all across our district, as well as nine different cross building departments. So you'll see a real variety, which will show up here. So this is the snapshot of the summer 2023 projects from A to Z, and literally it is from A to Z. A, you can see the first one is American Pop Culture Course, brand new course that is from our high school social studies department. Down to Z, which is our last one, was the epic fail of Arturo Zamora. And this was a project that was proposed by a, our sixth grade ELA team, and it's over no novel study. So you look at all the different variety of things, and, and it's really amazing uh, what the teachers and the educators really put forward. And it shows the creativity that is inherent within this department, uh, within this district, and with opportunities they're able to really actualize and make these projects come to life. You'll see some of them in terms of you have coding projects, um, the uh, a working on um, immigration and, and focusing on that, uh, focusing on curriculum maps. There's a whole bench, a bunch that are, you can see them in terms of so many departments and so many teachers are being represented.
Now here I have representation of three different types of projects that we have that typically come through this process. The uh, first type is our individual or our building-based teams, and these are specifically our department or grade level teams of two, three teachers who work together on a specific project. The next level is our building-based. These are larger projects. These involve multiple people from across a particular building. And then the final is district uh, projects. These are projects that go across all five buildings and really are, are much more involved in terms of the amount of people involved in, in, in the scale and scope. So I'm very fortunate, thank you, I have a, a, the three representatives here um, who will talk a little bit about their projects. And I'd like to start with the eighth grade team. We have our eighth grade math portfolio team. Mary Ellen Dubois and Susan Bykoff are here to talk a little bit about their project. Christine, uh, before we deep dive one, thank you. Sure. The intro and more like one minute more just curious is uh, coding i was just curious like what coding at, at what degree and then this i'll put it both in there um second and more was uh that i don't think is covered um oh it's the new course biology biology concepts a just more yeah, the, the coding project was actually by a middle school educator who was really looking at ways to incorporate coding within his um, particular curricula. So it was an opportunity for him to really see in terms of where um, the, the, the uh, concept of coding can really fit within his, his particular work. And then the other one was your bu about biology. Yeah, it's a biology concepts, eh? I always yeah, hear was, about the ninth graders and the yeah, Reddit so, bio. Uh, uh, brand new course. <laughs> Um, looking at uh, a new biology uh, a, a concepts course specifically um, for the ninth grade, and it is um, just looking at, at taking what they have now, and they're looking at uh, and and really developing it specifically uh, in a in a chunkery form. I, I'm sorry, I don't know much more details about that particular course right now. It's not, no, it's good. It's good to hear. It. I, yeah. I mean, I, I don't want this to be all over. Yeah. Okay, so eighth grade, ready? Okay. Oh, sure. So I'm Susan Bykoff. I teach eighth grade at Blake. I'm Mary Ellen Dubois, and I teach eighth grade at Blake. And this summer, the team, Erin uh, Carney's not here today, but she was also part of our team this summer for um, the R&D math portfolio. Um, the goals that we had were to make the curriculum accessible to all, um, to diversify instructional practice and assessment practices, and to create deeper thinking about math processes. We used the time in the summer to explore different platforms like Canva and Slides, uh, Google Slides, and we selected projects for students to submit their portfolio. We have about 20? 20, yeah. 20. I, yeah. we have to whittle down a little. <laughs> Um, and then we selected the proper technology to help administer the projects. So I think it's important to note with the math portfolios that as educators, we have spent about five years really working through grants from MCPA. And most recently, the PTO has been providing grants for us to be reflective as educators. And we've created these projects, which are hands-on multi-sensory approaches to learning math. And what we're trying to model is, as we as educators are becoming reflective, we are now at a point where we can ask our students to create portfolios and reflect on their learning. So what you see in the corner is a square of one student's one project and their reflection. So we have tried to integrate a lot of technology. Um, so we may be burning coins. That's a little coin of an art palette. 
um, at the makerspace with the laser printer. And the entire purpose of that is to kind of bring the abstract. So this child reflected and said, I began by buying a paintbrush that cost $10. Then I bought X amount of paints. So that's abstract. We're not really sure how many paints um, that were each $3. And then she created an equation with her budget of $15. And that one teeny tiny coin represents the number of paints that she could buy. And so she's reflecting on that and putting that in. And there, she has 20. She will, at the end of the year, have 20 like this. We also have, um, we decided to pick a few eighth grade, you know, a wide variety of work. And this was a really a wonderful portfolio um, response that children had to do. We are teaching a very difficult topic, I think, in eighth grade, substitutions for systems of equations. And um, I don't know if these links are live, but if I can click on it, we are teaching students how to take something, an algebraic expression, and use imagery to then replace it into a second equation. And so what ends up happening is students can see the math come alive. Something very abstract becomes some something very concrete, such as taking a football putting it in a goalpost, taking pepperoni, and putting it inside um, a stuffed pizza crust. And I can tell you, our eighth grade students like a lot of pizza. They like a lot of sports. They like a lot of arts and crafts. And so I will try to press play. And you're going to see, this is just a typical eighth grade student. Oh, golly. Oh, here we go. So they're animating. Oh, you can't hear it. I don't know how to do that. So, so what for the math people? I don't know if that's gonna work. Um, okay, okay. So um, we're we're really proud of these students for doing this because they're taking something that's very abstract and making it meaningful for them. And the entire idea of doing this is to allow them to reflect. We learned how to substitute and solve a system of equations. I let the football represent y plus two and the goalposts represent the parentheses. And that is the student's words. Students can um, text uh, speech to text. They can handwrite it. They can get help from us. And it's just exciting. I can show the pepperoni pizza one or I can so far. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Thank you for your time. Can I just say one last thing? Um, really, the, this has been quite an adventure. And even we just did one the other day and it's really exciting to see it in the classroom and so i can't thank medfield public schools right. enough for supporting us through all the grants right. it's just really been it, it has enriching. been awesome the learning has increased we really appreciate it thank you very much i just want to say i think that's awesome Oh, someone who taught, taught math for nine years. Oh, really? I have a big theory that, like, if we replaced the letters with, like, a magic box, kids would be less intimidated by it, right, for variables. And I think that's awesome. Well, come to our class for a minute. Okay, next we'll have the ninth grade induction team. Hi, I'm Brenda Hagen, one of the assistant principals at the high school. And I'm Heather Mendoza. I'm the other assistant principal at the high school. 
Um, so we wanted to um, spend some time this summer looking at the transition from eighth grade to ninth grade. Um, we know it's talked about a lot and it's in the strategic plan. Um, and, you know, having been here for a number of years, it gets looked at in different ways at different times. So this seemed like a good time to to look again at at what we have going on. So we definitely understand that there's unique needs and challenges of coming, you know, not very far um, <laughs> across the walkway from one school to the other. Um, the, you know, the there's a lot of different things that happen at the high school, a, a lot more independence. Um, and we're trying to work with teachers to figure out where they students are meeting us and where we're taking them from from there. Um, so we worked this summer with about 10 teachers. Um, there were department chairs. There was a teacher from just about every department, um, a school counselor and the two of us um, in trying to figure out uh, what what are the needs of the students that are are coming into our building on the first day of school. So we talked about just the, the different expectations, adjusting to having seven teachers who aren't anchored to a cluster model, um, time management, executive functioning, communication. Um, we, we had a, a really very spirited conversation um, this summer, which was great. We talked about the goals that, that we as a team um, decided to tackle. Um, so ways to support students as they come into the building in their academic, social, and emotional needs. Um, looking for opportunities to help support students with more consistency in what they're seeing from Google Classroom to Google Classroom. You know, making sure that the way that information gets posted looks similar so that, that kids and, and then in turn their, their families aren't trying to wind through a, a maze. Um, I think we've we've increased the amount of um, communication, but I think that can also, you know, make things confusing um, because I think there's so much information available sometimes. So just making sure we're, we're anchoring and, and sharing information as in the best ways possible. Um, so we, we really wanted to make sure that the whole staff who's working with our, and there's about 46 teachers who work with ninth graders um, just for different reasons, we want to make sure they all are building the relationships with their students in that time. Um, the first term just ended, and it's really important to us that the relationship is at the forefront of what happens with with all of our students. Um, but we want to make sure our freshmen feel very welcomed. So we discussed the vision of the ninth grader. Um, so seeing the importance of, of study skills and time management and just their own progress in those areas. Um, you know, starting their self-advocacy skills, uh, communicating effectively, utilizing their extra time, um, which a lot of kids don't say they have extra time, but you know, the time that we give them now during flex or after school when they're waiting for their sport or their theater society to start, um, finding ways for kids to feel connected to school and, and then still, I, I think finding balance is still an important piece for all, all of our students, but freshmen in particular as they're, you know, being greeted with lots of different messages as they come into our building. 
So some of the outcomes of the day, um, uh, one of them was, you know, focusing the beginning of the year on the induction transition process and just really being transparent with the ninth graders. Like, this is what we're doing. We are transitioning you. You know, we are acclimating you. It's a new building, new set of teachers. So just being more kind of transparent and talking about that with the ninth graders. Um, the, you know, we talked about dividing and conquering the departments about like each department took a piece of it. So like the English department um, said they would focus in the first term on different forms of note taking. The science department, um, how to navigate Google Classroom a little differently at the high school. Um, and math department took on like how to write an email um, in a professional manner uh, to your teacher <laughs> or to anyone. Um, so, you know, we came up with and this is kind of this kind of spilled into the beginning of this term. We've been having this ongoing meetings with ninth grade teachers to involve more than the 10 that were with us in the summer, um, but really focusing on com um, consistent expectations um, in terms of like posting homework, like some, you know, teachers at the high school sometimes were posted with different due dates. So somebody would have it do it, you know, by um, midnight, just because that's kind of where it defaults with Google Classroom. Others would be by 7.30 in the morning. The other ones were by class time. So now all the ninth grade teachers are posting homework so that is due by the time the class starts. So, you know, kids were saying to us when we met with them that, and I'm sure Molly can attest to this, that, you know, if if they have an early flex in the morning and they don't, their homework's not due until last period, they could use that time in the morning to do it. But if it was due at 7.30 in the morning, they couldn't do that. So, um, ninth grade teachers agree to all kind of do it the same way, which I think the kids are grateful for. So this, you know, um, in the future, we wanted to talk more about using consistent terminology. Like everybody's teaching writing, but you know, English does it this way. Social studies might do it this way. Science does it this way. So things that, you know, I don't want to go on and on, but things that we were going to continue our conversations with um, teachers, we meet every, what, three weeks or so. Mm -hmm. um, our next topic is uh, we talked about um, we talked about a lot of things, yeah. but our homework, <laughs> oh, yeah. and, um, you know, just different, different kind of unifying themes that will work for all of the freshman teachers. So we have elective teachers. It's not just academic teachers that we've been including. We've been including, you know, all the art teachers or um, and we now have an email list to right. communicate regularly with them. Mm -hmm. um, Talk next about time is behavior. Yep. Classroom management, <laughs> collaborative problem solving. Yep. Um, and we're kind of kind of keep on ongoing meeting with we've been grabbing grabbing that's weird <laughs> we've been uh, meeting with different groups of ninth graders <laughs> Don't laugh at me. Um, and just kind of asking them how's it going you know how is your you know transition do you know how to use flex do you know how to use all this technology so um, it's been really helpful to kind of see where they are and we can give that feedback to teachers with different you know different groups of freshmen so um, I think it's been really positive. Mm -hmm. I've really enjoyed at these meetings that we're having with the teachers, like all the interdisciplinary conversations that they're having. We've putting them into groups, like really just curious, like, how do you do this? How do you assess homework? Um, you know, anyway, just like different instructional practices. How do you teach reading? It's just it's really nice just watching these as we step back, these authentic conversations taking place. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's been very positive. And, it, and the meetings we've had with freshmen have been very positive as well. Um, and I, I wouldn't just say that if it wasn't true, because I've met with plenty of students and they haven't been pleasant. But um, these meetings have been very pleasant, where the, the students seem happy. They've adjusted more quickly than I think I would have expected. And I don't know that this is necessarily the reason, but it's been nice, you know, just having these conversations and getting to know the freshmen um, for the past couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. 
So thank you for supporting our work yeah. in the summer. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Uh, my question, I don't think you mentioned it, but is about like uh, grading consistencies or inconsistencies. Do uh, so coming as a ninth grader right now, it's it's real, and we're thinking about college and communities like this, and whatever. Um, so do you have conversations across departments or within departments where like you know error analysis possible or are terms weighted the same way in all your departments? So that is actually work that um, Christine has been leading us through the past year, year or so. Couple years. Yeah. So um, it's been a building wide discussion. So not only with ninth grade. Um, so department within the departments, um, they're kind of all the courses of the same. You know, ninth grade English will kind of all grade sure. the same and weight the same. Mm -hmm. uh, but we have kind of ongoing this year more discussions about retakes and and other things like that. So yeah, so that's a larger. Mm -hmm. But it tends to be more department based yeah. <clears throat> right now. But um, there it, is some consistency within departments. So mm -hmm. like, yeah, yeah. Like Molly's career in like English is kind of the yeah. same nine through twelve. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um pretty interested in the communication homeschool connection part of it and when you were talking about the Google Classroom maze you mentioned earlier <laughs> uh, is um, and that you were answering some of those questions because my my concern would be you know consistency across the curriculum kind of similar to what Will was alluding to you know and the ability the expectations of the use of that technology um, and I appreciate the email piece you know, Google Classroom, does every teacher use the Google Classroom gradebook for the, at least the purposes of students being able to use their executive functioning to organize their work and what's due using yeah. the, the to-do lists? Fairly so the to-do list we've talked about a lot. A lot. Um, because, um, you and know. All of us as professionals probably use our calendar to yes. line up, right? And, and mm -hmm. Yeah, or even a planner. students do it that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we talked a lot with teachers about, do we bring back the old school planner with the, you know, the agenda? Um, but what we're, it's funny, it depends on which kids you ask. But we had a, a whole group of freshmen that we asked, about 15 of them, that were like, we would never use a planner. We use a to-do list in Google Classroom. Everything goes in there, and it's it's my it's my to-do list. It's my planner. So I, even the tests go in as a item to do because the date is there. Yeah. So most kids, correct me if I'm wrong, are mm -hmm. saying that, that they really like that. Um, so teachers, ninth grade teachers have heard loud and clear, like that's what they prefer. Uh, we're still kind of playing with the idea of bringing back the planner as an option because when they graduate from school, they're not going to have a Google Classroom to do this. Um, so, you know, well, where are have, we? They'll have another tool. Yeah, right? they'll, they'll have another have, like, tool, a office, calendar. Or they may have Google in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So we, we want to try to provide options without confusing kids. Um, yeah. You know, so we're trying to figure out the right way to. Well, I mean, the consistency thing is a huge deal. Yeah, uh, you yeah. know, every you can't have multiple LMSs and or a, a rogue web page as some teacher has. Right. Uh, and as much as I appreciate the creativity, mm -hmm. it is it's going to just confuse matters. And so mm -hmm. I think that's something that I've heard in the past since I've been here. Mm -hmm. um, it's something in my professional life that I have have pushed for and implemented. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess the next part of that, you mentioned about email and communication. Um, and I'm not, this might be a more philosophical district question. Has there been conversations about a more comprehensive communication tool where, because for parent connection and parent involvement, Google Classroom is garbage. Mm -hmm. So. It um, and I don't mind saying that publicly because it is garbage. It was never designed that way. It's mm -hmm. not, and and as far as email and collaboration goes, email is terrible as well. So I didn't know if there there are other tools out there. I didn't know if there was conversations for 
at least at the high school level or middle school level, about being able to enhance that homeschool connection, um, you know, with some other tool in that manner. Um, because I think that that would, email is fine, but, you know, we all know that that's, you know, for quick, uh, quick updating of saying, hey, I had Leo in first period today, and he seems a little off. You know, I want to fire it off to the team. You know, like it might be more of a middle school thing, right? But maybe, maybe the guidance, just so the guidance council is aware, right? You know, if it were in an email, I feel like that's, you know, it's going to be less immediate than it would be, say, if there was another messaging system that would allow you to have quick access to, you know, to mom or dad, you know. Uh, in a school district I'm working with now, they're using something called Parent Square that does something very similar. Uh, and I've seen a couple of others out there that, do something like that have really kind of revolutionized that home that connection back and forth. And I didn't know if that was Yeah, I think one of the that's gonna be part of our um, communications audit that we're doing. Yeah. So that's gonna we're looking at internal and external communication and looking at because I know that we heard through the focus groups and through the surveys that if you're an elementary parent and you have multiple kids in elementary, um, there's there's many there's maybe two or three different platforms elementary teachers are currently using and it gets confusing from a parent perspective. Yeah. So we're gonna look at it after the recommendations come out of this um, you know, review of our communication to look at one platform district-wide or at least one for secondary, one for elementary, so that makes it easier for parents. It can replace it. some of the stuff we're already paying for, mm -hmm. too, I think. Yeah, for sure. And then thank you for all the work. I mean, this is excellent work. I hope I didn't sound too critical. No, no, that's super uh, interesting. It's extremely yeah, yeah. important. You know, yeah. it's, mm -hmm. And I think it is a make or break. It could be a make or break of you know, how someone views their high school experience, right? Mm -hmm. And like you said, that ninth grade experience, if they're coming in and the first three months is terrible, you know, it may take the next year to climb out of that mindset that, you know, this is not a place for me. I don't really like being here. I can't be successful. You know, and I think that's the... If the delivery and stuff is all organized, and the, I love the common language piece too, I think that's important as well. That'd be helpful for parents as well. Mm -hmm. so. We definitely hear a lot about the eighth to ninth transition as school committee members, so I do appreciate that you guys have taken this on yeah. and that this has been approved as a project. So thank you on behalf of our community. Um, I'm interested to understand, and I recognize that we're, you know in some ways the infancy of this, what are the things we're going to be looking for for assessment and iteration for next year's class? Um, I, I don't understand the question. Assessment in regards to like, we know that there was a transition challenge. It's getting better and trending in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Like, do we have any sort of parameters or, or metrics. metrics that we're going to be mm -hmm. looking at to see like things are going, they're trending like, in the direction you know we want them to. Yeah. yeah. So we've surveyed the kids um, at the end of last year, um, mm -hmm. the ninth graders, to kind of give us some things to think about for the summer. Um, so we're using, we're kind of keeping data on these focus groups and notes in the fall. Um, so we're, you know, kind of planning to keep on meeting with different groups of friends with freshmen to meet as many as possible. Um, and then in the spring, in the spring, we kind of, we asked them, um, like, if you knew then what you know now, what would, mm -hmm. you know, so it helped us kind of talk about, we, we identified homework, we identified those kind of target areas. Um, so, you know, we're big fans of feedback forms of all kinds, um, and we get kind of good responses. Mm -hmm. um, we have panoramic in, yep. in oh, right. uh, February, too, so right. we're doing the belonging okay. survey for panoramic and get a sense we can compare to last year's. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then uh, the, the info, oh, sorry, oh, Tiffany, sorry, add. one more thing to add also. Sure, we have our partnership with Boston College, the Collaborative Fellows Grant, who's also gathering that information and specifically um, surveying students. Uh, and in the eighth grade and ninth grade to truly really measure a bunch of those things as well. Okay. And then um, 
the the kind of the tactics I guess you've uh, implemented right now are very ninth grade specific. I'm curious how eighth grade is being involved in this conversation and what things are happening at the eighth grade level mm -hmm. to help prep the eighth graders before they get there. Mm -hmm. I was actually going to ask that question. Is there... Yeah. So is there anything? Is that part of the, the conversation? So we've talked a lot about this and, and that's been kind of involved in these conversations too. And, and you know, we've talked with department heads too about like a vertical conversation um, within their kind of 6 to 12 department. Um, so that was kind of like the next step in you know, mm -hmm. the process. But And I, I think we wanted to make sure that our teachers were taking responsibility for where they met the kids. So, you know, uh, is there other things or are there other things that could be done? Uh, you know, um, the conversation is going to continue, you know, for as long as I'm here, um, you know, where we're still talking about the, the transition from eighth to ninth and then, you know, then the transition from high school to, to college. Um, you know, transitions are, there's a lot of transitions in Medfield. So uh, lots to talk about. Um, but I think, you know, we wanted to make sure that our teachers were, were, meeting kids where we were getting them from from Blake and then I think well that'll be a chapter two or three okay. um of you know again and we've had we've had different times where we've had you know very forced doesn't sound nice but conversations between the eighth grade teachers and the ninth grade teachers because there there are myths that exist on both sides right um and we just try and demyth um as often as we can okay so and then just like curious from like a personal standpoint i'm i'm guessing you guys had some inklings on some of the things that were going to come out of the surveying that you did of the ninth graders were there anything that you were surprised by or anything that rose to the top that you weren't expecting to be something that needed to be implemented I would have to look at it again. I mean, I think what came up was the consistency piece over and over again. Okay. So looking at those, and you know, Heather said spirited conversations because, you know, because when you've been teaching for a long time and you've found something that works, and then someone else has found something else that works, they're not necessarily bad either one, it's just inconsistent. Right. So, you know, finding, talking about, that's why we had a ton of time talking about philosophy and you know, if this is what we all believe, what's the best way to get there? So the consistency piece, I think, is is a big stress reliever for ninth grade. So that's what we're trying to tackle first. Okay. Um, hey, um, one, I agree with you guys both talked about. I was, I was going to ask the same thing. One, thank you, because I think it's, a, I, I hear that we hear about it a lot as well. That That is the topic of the walking the dog. Okay, oh, you're on the school committee. <laughs> so, um, you know, I... I, that, that is very similar. I was going to say, I love the idea of, you know, math's going to take on this one thing to, to help. Um, and I do love the idea of also saying, hey, that's a eighth grade math and ninth grade math. You know, for example, mm -hmm. if you said, hey, we're going to work on note taking, you know, it just seems to me like that's a logical, that, that the, the transition is a two way, mm -hmm. you know, where you're coming from and where you're going to. I was going to see, Molly, if there's any comments you, you had. Do you, do you remember? It's a safe space, Molly. Okay. Molly, we talk a lot with Molly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See Molly every day. Yeah, every day. So. Yeah, no, I think it's pretty consistent. I would agree. Like, um, I'm thinking about like my four years, and within each department, I would say it's like 
the way like all the science courses that I've taken or the way like I learn and like the process of everything is very consistent. So like I think it's important that the freshmen um it, it will kind of be like each subject's gonna be similar as they go through at high school, which I think is nice. That's all. <laughs> I just want to push on on one more thing. Um so you said you work to like build relationships with the kids. Um, and then you talked about how math teachers teach them how to, to do the email and the, doing different life skills. Um, do our teachers have enough uh, PD? Well, so how are we building those relationships? And are the teachers being uh, trained in how to build those relationships, right? Because there are teachers, there are a million different kinds of teachers, but if I put them in two buckets, there are people that love their subject right so it might be a little harder to build the relationships in that piece and then there's people that kind of this is going to sound boring i'll just leave it there but there are, there are teachers that love the kids and the subject is second and that that's just me my personal thing i'm saying i've seen that in my career uh, so what are we doing to build the relationships and do the teachers have enough support and are they comfortable like building those relationships so Kind of an underlayer of this work is the work that we've been doing with culturally responsive practices. So, you know, basically all of last year, um, during faculty meetings, we looked at Zarena Hammond's work, um, culturally responsive teaching sure. the brain, and like took like lessons out of that and did a lot of work about building relationships. It's something we always talk about in the beginning faculty meetings too. I don't think you can ever have too much of that. So, sure. more PD on that would be amazing. Mm -hmm. Next presentation. Yeah. <laughs> I also, in our advisory model, um, we have advisory once every eight days. Um, it's the, you know, kids expect it on day one um, that they're going to have something. This year we tried to make an effort to have fewer um, uh, paperwork-based items and more, you know, uh, you know, relationship-building things, especially for the first term, um, which I think has been helpful. All of our ninth grade advisory teachers do not teach freshmen, and we do that on purpose um, so that there's an adult who doesn't grade them, doesn't assess them, who they can build a relationship with, um, and it's a group of 13 or 14 students. Uh, so that's been helpful as well. So we, Brenda and I, have the opportunity to infuse lessons through that advisory as well. Awesome. Um, which has been has been a good part, another strength of our new schedule. So, awesome. thank you, thank you, thank you very Thanks. much. So we have one more presentation, and that's the answer response. Forget. Sorry, I'll introduce myself. Um, so, Nat um, and I. Uh, met with a group of <coughs> K through 12 teachers this summer. How many people do we have? Two from each school yeah. um, to look at how um, our work, how we could take the new strategic plan and the elements of belonging um, and homeschool connection and the parts that kind of overlapped with our culture responsive vision statement and how we could kind of flesh out some action steps for that. So on the left, you'll see the um, elements of the strategic plan having to do with belonging. Uh, DEI, aligning DEI efforts and strengthening homeschool connection. And on the right column, you have elements of the um, vision statement that um, we approved last year that are go along with that. Um, 
So most of the time together, and this is kind of a blank template, but most of the time together we spent, um, or the, the teachers spent looking at specific, uh, their current practices and then what are some school-based action steps. So for example, um, in the promoting a sense of belonging for all students, family, and staff, um, teachers, these are some examples, teachers talked about things that they could do or schools could do, uh, eliciting student feedback via focus groups, uh, purchasing flags um, that represent each family's background um, at the high school, providing equal opportunities to explore career paths in various fields, identifying possibilities for peer mentoring opportunities, um, et cetera. So um, they kind of went through each um, and had some really good ideas. Um, one of, I don't know if I'm stealing your topic okay. here, but one of the um, action steps is building like a building-based team in each in each school um, that it kind of an offshoot of this amazing group that met in the summer and we're still finding time to do that um sorry no, no, your thing. Um, but you know i think a lot of the ideas on the strengthening the homeschool connection were amazing um you know the high school uh grade level like student officers mm -hmm. are looking for ways to um bring involve families and parents in their events um, and just recently, the uh, the senior class is having a dance on <laughs> December 1st. And all and parents are invited. No. They <laughs> <laughs> do not want them there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but just, you know, they, they sent out, this is such a little thing, but they sent out a sign of genius to, you know, they need snacks and water. And that, I think that sign of genius was like filled in five minutes. Like parents are looking for opportunities to get involved, to volunteer. Um, so we're talking to, you know, more and more with the class officers about events and ways to kind of bring connections um, and events in the school that are department based to bring parents in. Um, so anyway, those those there's a lot of ideas. Um, we, we need to now kind of get the building based groups going, um, but a lot of excitement about this work and much appreciated that it's kind of centered in the strategic plan as well. Yeah, and I, I would agree and echo that that just speaks just anecdotally about parents want to be involved and it does get tricky. I mean, you know, middle schoolers, no part of their parents for the age appropriate, but trying to figure out that's a lot of work we've been doing with PTO is really thinking about how can we have our parents be involved and yet understand the developmental needs of kids who don't want them around at all. Um, and so that, that's been a big piece of it too. And just one thing prior to the um, R&D time we had sent, um, I mean, we had a good problem too, because we have to limit the number of people that are involved um, and we had over interest, which is a great problem to have. Um, and we had sent a Google form ahead of time to help gather that data, which really helped uh, from the cross section. And it was nice to pick out themes. And um, so just the next, wait a minute. Yeah, sorry. That's okay. So this is just some, so what we had done after was um, sent a reflection to the team and asked for some feedback. And these are just some direct quotes from members of the team. One was, and I would say this is really thematic that this is everyone's work. It shouldn't be taught in isolation or, you know what, we'll take care of this in social studies or we'll take care of this in our guidance classes or we'll do a guidance unit that really this is everyone's work. Um, this was something that came out too is this idea of identity. And that's a lot of the identity related work too is who we are, that everyone should see themselves as like math teacher saying as a mathematician in my classroom. I don't want it to be just this type of identity and really addressing some of the bias and stereotypes that we all bring each day um, this was a big part too that social emotional learning and culture responses practices are intertwined it needs to be a thread line in and across the district which touches on very similar to the eighth and ninth grade transition 
shared language and looking at the different buildings and we don't want to recreate the wheel and think about how are we, what's some of the language we're using with students and among staff. There's so much sort of edgy babble, like terminology and say, well, well, what's the terminology that we feel like really represents for us as we go through um, a lot about self-reflection too. We have an obligation to learn biases about ourselves. Um, it's been really interesting actually just recently with all this about artificial intelligence and learning how much bias is just inherently within that. And now we have an obligation to teach kids about that as well, um, which has been really interesting. And then this was, a, this is, a, I think, what's really hard, and this is very similar to the work we've done about social emotional learning. Oftentimes when we're talking about this, the term culturally responsive practices can feel like it's a new initiative. It may be new terminology, but that it's really not one more thing, but it feels as though it is. Um, but that's, this which came from one of the members saying, it's pedagogically sound research-based comprehensive teaching practices. So really trying to embed that into all the work that we're doing on a day-to-day um, and month-to-month. So the next steps, and I know we've talked about this before, and all this work also really built off, and I want to thank again the R&D from the prior summer when we had the team about 36 to 40 people um, across the district, and that's been really nice to work through. Um, so a working group that we have that people have expressed interest as building-based representation, um, trying to meet on a regular basis throughout, but also even on email, just to kind of share some ideas, which ties into what Brenda was talking about too is the working groups at the schools, but also establishing what's a total infancy stage is a website creation for alignment and resources across the district for from the staff end. Um, and also we're looking at, um, and hopefully it will come to fruition, some universal professional development and training on culturally responsive practices on the January 23rd half day for the secondary level, six through 12, that would hopefully then build to elementary as well. Um, and that is a huge piece that's come from our staff. Um, I know, I, I think I mentioned this when we talked about a month ago um, about the goals that we have this year is, I, not that it's universal, but I think the belief system and some of the work we did before is there. People understand the why. Now it's like, what, do, what can I do tomorrow in my class? I need some strategies. How do I address microaggressions? How do I have difficult conversations with kids? and some real strategies. So the work that we're hoping to do with some outside people, some experts in the field is really building around some local case studies and just like, these are things that's happening here. How do we address it and what does that look like? So that's sort of the work that we're looking at um, and to implement strategies based off case studies. And that's a real request that's come from our staff, which is, which is great because it's not just saying, hey, this is good, this is important, it's a mandate. Our staff are saying we're thirsty for it. Um, and we were just remarking on that the other day. So I really want to thank, and I echo Brenda that I would say on behalf of like all staff that really appreciate the priority and where it's put in the strategic plan and it's holding us accountable for important work. So thank you. It's been a nice evolution too. It started off as a small professional learning community of folks in the district and it's really just grown to almost everyone. So it's been a great evolution. You guys have done a wonderful job. Yeah, we appreciate all this work. I, you know, this is, it's, um, I think it's a privilege, you know, to have this kind of availability to do that for all of us as a community and having professionals like yourself, um, having the priority amongst the book made to prioritize that funding and that just that process, right? The idea of the process uh, is as, and I guess one of my questions is, is, um, is the, the plan of a stat, a, a, that common, establishing that common language and then the scale, right? Yeah. Yeah, because nothing happens in a year's time. Like when people were trying to use skillful teacher to build common language across the you know, across the language, right? Um, it took 
four or five years in, in one of my districts for us consistently putting people through that process. So what is the, um, what, um, how do you see expediting that process or uh, what, what challenges do you see or you know, to help bring that to the forefront of things like common language and practice. So, so one of the, th and this is the things that we're talking about is how can we build this into our current professional development, but also future professional development planning. Um, and knowing too, that I think when we have like, that it's not optional too, that it's on our quote time, if you will, the sense of like using faculty meantime, using professional development time and knowing that some of this work has already been slotted for this year. And so the hope for this professional development, and we, you know, we're waiting to hear hopefully that some grant funding that will help us with this is that a threefold process that the, the beginning work prior to the professional development staff is to do with the leadership team, the department chairs to kind of help know, get some training beforehand so that on that day, we do that work. We, we've done similar work in, in other regards with, you know, assessment and grading, and this has been a practice, but then also doing some work with the community too. So like some presentation meeting community outside too. So families understand. And I think, cause sometimes there's some speculation I'll just name it. Is this critical race theory that we're teaching? What is this? And, and I think it's important to name some of the elephants in the room to say, this is what we're trying to do in the why, yeah. where that work is. So that's part of it. And then also thinking about this, you know, we talked to the leadership team, thinking about what does that work get to the pre-K through five and also looking for future R&D and then mapping, knowing that it's going to be chunking away at a time and that we embedded into that work. I don't know if there's anything else, Brenda. Okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome. You know, thank, thank you, Christine. I, I also love the tie-in on the last strategic plan. I like, like I think of that as evaluate next year. So, so, like we we're beginning to remind ourselves, you know, like the agenda item. So I think that's also yeah, it is helpful to bring it back. You no, know, thank you so much, Christine. I have uh, just two quick questions. I'm curious, it says 26 approved projects. Do you know roughly how many projects were submitted and do those get tabled for next year? Like what happens to the people who didn't make this year's cut? There were only, I believe, and, and forgive me, I don't have the spreadsheet in front of me, about, uh, there were 30 that were originally submitted of that. We were able to do the marriage and match okay. with a couple. For instance, uh, this project started one two years ago, it started with one germinating out of the elementary and the one germinating out of the high school. And then we ended up just matching people. I see. So that's okay. an example of that. And then there was just there was a, a particular project that we were already doing the work kicking off in the fall. So it was just, it just made sense for us just to say thank you. We really appreciate your, your initiative, but we have time a lot in the fall. So it's our hope that we try to fund almost every single one. And so it, it's we do everything we can to, to make sure that. Oftentimes you'll have someone will submit a proposal and they'll have um, additional hours that when we sit down and figure it out aren't really aren't needed so we subtract the hours and we fund them for x amount as opposed to what they're asking for just to try to make sure we have a michael actually sits there in the computer yeah. and we've had the conversation and we say x amount of hours and he just keeps adding and subtract subtracting from the number until we get to zero so we want to fund as many people as we can so. okay and then the the high school flex schedule came out of this work no yes maybe more of SEL task force. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So what are some of the programs that have come out of this work that we would see right now? Like everything you're talking about is stuff that got implemented this year. And that's, that's wonderful that we're able to do that that quickly. But I'm curious if there's anything that got funded last year or the year before that we're seeing the fruition of this year as well. 
Oh, uh, for example, we have the, the college choice that okay. work in terms of the prep for that. We have a number of courses that launched out of this, this work uh, that were uh, just giving teachers an opportunity to really conceptualize on that piece as well. Um, so those are just two examples, but I'm just thinking of like the uh, digital literacy work that we've done in elementary. There's just a lot of different pieces that oh. start in the summer and yeah. then they pull the break in. Okay. This, um... Does the R and D work? I know some districts. You know, if a if there's a new course that's launching, a teacher or two may be coupled together to rewrite units for certain courses and other things. Is that is that separate from this? That's embedded right in this, right? Yeah, and that's a conversation that we've had a lot. Is is this a new course or is the teacher teaching a new due to the teacher? Right, and that there's a real distinction. We put more of a priority on this as a new course, right? Or just rewriting it, like it, old it, curriculum. No, yeah. without it, and yeah. that's been part of it too. Is like when frameworks change. I think about like this is going back a number of years ago. But when with the science frameworks went to the next generation science standards, yeah. taking that approach and saying, all right, how are we going to embed that over two to three right. years? Or when math curricula changes, so we've got to kind of like yeah. upload and kind of think about that spiral impact. Yep. I would say another thing. There are some also that come up as kind of like almost an annual, like I would say the Blake Advisory Program. Each year, we may be taking on something else. So that becomes kind of a standard theme. It's like it's not, yes, it's the same title, but that work needs to be looked at every every year right. in that way, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I just have two comments, ideas, questions before you all take off. Um, the PD on 123. As we talk about meeting like our ninth graders where they are, that PD, I would challenge you to meet, to differentiate that as much as possible and meet the teachers where they are. Um, again, in, in my experience, there are teachers that have done a lot of work and some that haven't. And as we all know, if we're sitting in any class or any PD, um, you can lose one group or the other. So I just challenge you to, to do your best uh, with that and try to meet your teachers where they are. And then with the PBL, with those awesome math portfolios, I can't believe you do 20 of them. Um, but uh, what's that? There's, it's a small, we're trying to go for a small hands-on activity that moves the curriculum and the learning through faster. So they look impressive because they are, yeah. but it, they're mighty and small. Yeah. yeah, but just with those. Uh, don't shortchange it. Well, yeah, I can't, I can't. But one of the, my, my comment or challenge or whatever is some of the work in, in PBL is like having that audience at the end, and that might be a great opportunity to get those middle yeah. school parents in and see the awesome stuff and like, I bet you can't solve a system of equations and look what your yeah. kid can do. That's an excellent question. I mean, so does that, is it the expectation that that work is now going to be across all your, all the eighth grade math? Like programs? So we do in math, this is so the three of us are the three clusters on eighth grade. We teach all the eighth grade students and all the eighth grade students. And this is whether you're sub separate, you're in one of our clusters, it doesn't matter. This goes for everybody. Our special educators have been involved in this. So it is all eighth grade math students. And we have, this has been many years and through the great, I'm truly a collaboration between writing grants and the support of the district. It has allowed us to get to this point. And next summer, we want to bring in guest speakers and kind of bring the community. I'll, I'll just take an opportunity to thank, like, we know that the middle school model is an expensive model, construction model, but I think this does help to align that a lot. 
And that's basically why I just want to thank the, the school committee again and the community for the support of that. That helps with that kind of unified approach because the common planning time really does help that. Because I'll say, Susan, Aaron, and Mary Ellen, I know where they are every time they have the prep here. They'll be together. I mean, looking at each other's papers, they're in the docs live teaching, saying, hey, we're all doing this and looking at that. So, um, yeah, constantly working. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you. I really thank the teachers here as well as all the teachers who submitted proposals and as well as you for the support. So thank you so much. Chair, I would I would ask if we could uh, skip the next agenda item and move it and, and have uh, folks from outreach go next. Support. Thank you. So Kathy, Mary, and Kyle are here from Medfield Outreach. Um, they're going to present to you uh, a program that, that we support as a school district, um, raising the bar and keeping youth events substance-free. Uh, they had brought this to last spring when we first started looking at this. Um, last spring, and uh, we've always had a great partnership with Medfield Outreach and formerly known as Medfield Youth Outreach. Thank you. And, um, you know, MCAP is also a big part of what they do with the Medfield Cares About Prevention. So this seemed like it made a lot of sense. We actually did a Zoom uh, with the, the founder of the organization uh, in California, and they're looking to really bring this program on the East Coast. So uh, it made a lot of sense to me, and I think they'll share some of the data of why it makes a lot of sense. But thanks so much for coming tonight. I appreciate it. We got our mailer today, too, by the way. Okay, good. <laughs> so... I just want to say thank you for making the time for us this evening. I'm Kathy McDonald, the director of Medfield Outreach, and I'm going to let the spotlight shine on these two. These are um, two of our prevention workers, and as, as Dr. Marsden had mentioned, um, one of the major components of what Medfield Outreach does is prevention work. We also do um, clinical support, counseling, referrals to services, and a, a whole array of needs-based services. So just to give you a little framing about what we do. But tonight, um, we're here to um, roll out a super exciting initiative. So, Mary? Kyler, why don't you introduce yourself and get that screen set up? Okay. Uh, can I get uh, permission to share my screen? Do you want a Mac or do you want a PC? Uh, I'm on a PC. We have the handout, so that's fine. Okay, if you got the handout. What name are you logged under? For the uh, outreach. outreach. Thank you. Uh, I guess while we're getting that set up, uh, I'll just introduce myself. Uh, my name is Kyler. Um, I'm a part-time prevention coordinator uh, here at Medfield Outreach. Medfield cares about prevention. Um, I've been here since uh, last November, so right out of a year. Um, I'll let Mary introduce yourself. Um, so my name is Mary Haas. I'm the other prevention coordinator at Medfield Outreach. I've been here for maybe four years, somewhere around there. Um, we're both here on uh, we're here because of a DFC grant, which is Drug Free Communities Grant um, through the CDC. So, do you want to? Can we figure out how to share the screen? Or... Yeah, do I have permission yet? Yeah. Under Zoom, will you log in us? I'm not seeing how to reach Zoom. Um, it should be. Probably, oh, you know why? Because it's not a school that's what we paid out of. No, no, we, we can move them over, but I'm just seeing the attendees who are logged into Zoom. I don't see how to log in. Is there anything higher? Tyler, what do you think? Can you share that? Can you share that? Can you share that? Can you share that? Can you share that?
Yeah, I was logging into the outreach account. Um, I think the fact that we have it far less defined. Yeah, I think they want to share it with the folks no, at home. Just yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry about that. Is there a, I don't see it. This is, this is shocking yeah, enough. Gotcha. All right, let me log in. Yeah, no, no, you would. What I'm saying is, oh, and just She's last time, and then we'll run with it. Huh? If, um, if you see, I'll just share enough. Yeah, but he is. All right, I should, I should be on now. If you, uh, and then I was saying, yeah, maybe then just if Michelle could share it. If, if he's, but you said, Michelle's right, you only have a one page. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, once in a while, yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 troubleshoot yeah. technical yeah. issues. Yeah. 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 It's the day in the job here. Well, here we go. Just panelists. Okay. When we're really stuck. <laughs> 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 I like the notebook only. That's all. <laughs> all right. All right, here we go. Sorry about the technical difficulties. So, somebody on Zoom, Owen, can you see our screen on screen? Um, oh, yes, I can, can see, you that see it. Can you see it? Okay. Hello again. Is everyone ready? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. So, thank you all for having us here tonight. Um, so, we're here, as um, Dr. Marsden mentioned, to talk about raising the bar. So, first, a little bit of background. Okay, just a quick click. Okay, so um, just to kind of um, give you a little bit more information about what Kathy spoke about. So, Kyler and I are both um, employees of Medfield Outreach, and through Medfield Outreach, we do our prevention work in a variety of ways. One is direct to youth, we do some school programming, but we also do a lot of community work. And one of those um, ARMS is a coalition called Medfield Cares About Prevention. You got a mailer probably today. If you have anyone in your household under 21 and you live in Medfield, you got a mailer to fill out a survey. So this is my plug for the parent survey. Please fill it out. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, our work is funded through a drug-free communities grant provided to us by the federal government through the CDC. So a little bit about, so this shouldn't be new information to folks. Um, this is just one slide to talk to you a little bit about kind of why we're proposing raising the bar and, and it speaks a little bit to why we have the grant itself so you'll see here this is a graph from the metro west adolescent health survey um, the most recent data we have is back in 2021 it uh, shows alcohol use among medfield high school students as compared to those in the metro west region so you see we are the light purple and metro west is the dark purple so this information is similar to the one that actually were the reason we awarded the grant. Um, we don't have information on here from the middle school. Our numbers are comparatively low to the rest of the region, so that's great news. Um, let's see. So just to put it into context, this uh, slide here is from the CDC. It talks a little bit about some of the outcomes associated with folks who drink 
uh, alcohol or use other substances at a younger age. So there are many kind of um, not so favorable outcomes that can come about as uh, a result of youth and underage drinking. Um, I'm not going to go through them all. Uh, so there are just many. There are many here. School problems, um, violence, other things. Uh, it actually changes your brain, right? As a developing brain is impacted by substances and alcohol uh, at a different kind of rate. Um, and then you'll see at the bottom here it says that the risk of youth experiencing these problems is greater for those who binge drink than those who do not binge drink. Um, and that is definitely, if we go back here, our binge drinking rates are actually 25% um, in Medfield. 25% of Medfield High School students um, have binge, binge drank within the last 30 days. Can you define that for us? Yes, binge drinking. It's consuming four plus drinks in a row for females and five plus drinks in a row for males. So that's like your average party, right? Generally, when you think of those um, high school parties where alcohol is served. Um, and then also at this, bo this bottom line here, it mentions that early initiation of drinking is associated with the development of alcohol use disorder and other substance use, substance use disorders later in life. And so that brings us to this slide here. Um, I think that this is really impactful visual. The message here is to delay, delay, delay. The word in prevention and substance use prevention is wait, right? Um, wait past 21, wait to 25 if you can, right? Your brain is not fully developed and it does take a toll. So you'll see here 45% of folks who began drinking at age 40, 14 developed a substance use disorder, an alcohol use disorder um, later on in life. Whereas beginning drinking at uh, age 18, that was reduced to 15%. So this is a little bit more as to why we're proposing this initiative. So just um, one question that when I was younger, they didn't necessarily say the age really delay. Is that new, newer science? Yes. I mean, I think it, it, it really is helpful in conversations I have with my, my yes. children. But is, yeah. is it um like how new is it? Like when did that? Well, I'd say so. I think um, and Kyla, I'll let you speak to this, too, if you have something. But um. I think prevention work, especially as it relates to substance use prevention, has developed immensely over the past, you know, uh, I don't know, 20 years or so. I think as we learn more about the um, adolescent brain, it impacts kind of the, the way we approach this work. And also as we have more tracking over time as to how things, how outcomes um, actually play out, I think that information is here. So it. So I like to think a bit about how when um, my parents were younger, you didn't wear helmets when you rode your bike. Um, but now, you know, there are laws about it. You have to. And same with seatbelts. So this sort of thing just develops over time. Do you have any? Kyler's actually in school for public health and epidemiology, so he's a good one to ask some data questions. Do you have any information? Um, yeah, I think everything you said. I think the uh, science has progressed a lot in the past you know, several decades. Um, it's not new in the sense where it's, um, you know, it's not, it, it's kind of settled now that, that, you know, early initiation of, of you know, any substance use really uh, increases your lifetime risk of developing a substance use disorder. Um, the reward systems in your brain are, are still developing um, and adding substance use into the mix can kind of alter the, traje the trajectories of those uh, developments and put you at risk for all types of negative health outcomes, so. Yeah, it's not, it's not disputed and I think also, um, it's it's easier to talk about delay when we know that a lot of these substances are legal, 
right? So the message is, it's like, you know, it's not necessarily um, realistic to say abstain, right? Because I know the World Health Organization, right, came out not so long ago saying no amount of wine is safe, right? Um, I don't know if you all heard that, but but they did. And so, but how realistic is it to say never drink alcohol, even though it's marketed to you and it's uh, legal and, you know, a little bit, you know, it's 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 up to you. So I think um, this idea of delay is really important because it extends the messaging and who it impacts as well. All right. So how do we do this? The prevention science is this field is huge. There's a lot of information about ways to impact youth substance use and actually prevent underage drinking and other substances. But we're here tonight talking about raising the bar. So this is in relation to adult attitudes and behaviors. So I think there are two takeaways we want you all to take away tonight. One is that um, permissiveness, parent and uh, adult permissiveness around youth alcohol use and other substances, but tonight alcohol use makes a difference. So I know all you guys out there, um, I have a five-year-old, so I'm not there yet, luckily, but if you sometimes think your teenagers are not listening to you, they are. Right. So we have this data point from 2018 that says over 70 percent of Medfield High School students reported that when deciding whether or not to drink alcohol, it was very important or somewhat important if their parents did not approve of them drinking. So peers matter, but the data shows that at least in this 2018 Metro West Adolescent Health Survey, parents mattered even more so. Um, we don't have the 2021 data on this because the question wasn't in the 2021 and was. Um, the other piece here is modeling, and this is kind of a little bit more directly related to the, the campaign. Um, research shows that parent substance use contributes to youth substance use, right? So how your parents behave really impacts how you will and um, do behave. Also, we understand now that children start thinking positively about alcohol at a young age. If you think about all the messages that they're receiving from marketing, from the larger world, just from, you know, watching movies, right? There's a lot of messaging coming out the, at them about substances, um, including alcohol. And so modeling becomes even more important as we're looking to kind of combat those commercials on TV every time you're watching a sporting event or the, um, the movies about the high school party that aren't actually the norm, but portray it. Um, to be a space where there's a lot of underage alcohol and other substances. So now to the main event. What is raising the bar? And um, what does that mean for the Medfield Public Schools? So we have given you all, uh, well, the folks here, um, a question and answer, kind of a quick fact sheet on what raising the bar is. I'm going to go over it a little bit tonight, and you can, if you have any questions, we can talk about those. So this Raising the Bar is a townwide initiative meant to keep youth-focused events substance-free. So as Dr. Marston mentioned, we licensed this from Marin County in California. We're looking for ways to impact adult behavior and modeling, as we know that's really important among our young people in Medfield, as well as nationally and, and globally. Um, and I kind of stumbled upon this and thought this might be a good fit for us. So. We licensed their campaign, including this nice little logo in the corner. Um, the select board has signed, signed the licensing agreement. So the point really here is to promote healthy modeling among adults, uh, to ease that start of the conversation around substance use kind of as a community, um, and to change some social norms around the consumption of alcohol and other substances 
in order to create a safe and positive environment for young people so they can have those more positive outcomes and thrive. So what does that mean? Um, so the initiative involves building awareness and promoting healthy adult modeling. So um, that comes in a few forms. So one of those ways is by actually hanging signage about raising the bar. It'll say raising the bar keeps youth events substance free um, with a link to more information about it. So that again, it, it begins that conversation between folks I'm like, what does that mean? Let's look it up. Did you know about this? You know, and just kind of lets people kind of talk about these things and um, think about them on their own terms. Uh, but in addition, as a participating school, uh, you all would uh, send out letters to parents and caregivers at the beginning of each year and also around the start of different school aff affiliated activities inviting parents and guardians to not use substances not offer substances um, and not well not use substances really at any school affiliated event where uh, it's a youth has a youth focus so that includes things like the football game right no tailgating for example but it also includes things like there's a debate club field trip over the weekend. And so the parents aren't using substances on that trip. Again, just to model, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't even try to, to address uh, folks drinking right on their own terms, because we're not saying, you know, we're not prohibitionists here. What we're just saying is when we're at this place where it's a youth focused event, let's keep it youth focused. Let's show these folks that we can have fun without substances. Um, and we don't need it to have a good time. It also, you know, extends to prom and pre-prom parties. So it would kind of be with any, any youth-focused event that's uh, affiliated with the school. So that would be the expectations, or those are, I guess, the expectations among the Medfield Public Schools. And then what we'll do is we'll provide signage, we'll provide support, we can be there to answer questions, we have information on our website. Um, we also have the letter templates, which can be edited to kind of meet the needs of the school. And then we can also provide talking points, a Q&A, if you need a presentation or something like that. That would be how we would be able to support an interface. Um, I think at this point, it makes sense to see if anyone has any questions or, or anything about raising the bar or anything else we need for help. And one I think of is, um, you know, letters, one, I, one thank I mean, one sincerely thank you. I, I'd heard about this, uh, Dr. Mars, and shared this. Right on. Like, we need, we need to do it. We need to start with us. Um, I also, I, I kind of think about um, multi-pronged. Um, I, I, I know time is, time is tough, but like a presentation like this in asking to join a PTO meeting. Mm -hmm. Like especially one that's well attended, or, or maybe like Nicole's all all you know K through twelve or uh, K through eight PTO. That it, it's coming at them from different places. That's a great idea. Um, you know, youth sports, you you know, different areas where it's not it's not just the schools, right? right? I think the school. I, I, I think we, it's a no brainer. That we're supportive. But, you know, th just thinking about that. That's that's what I think that, you know. Or, or alternatively, how else can we help? You know, how, how can we help drive that multi-prong? Yeah, I would echo that as well because I know that's something we talked about when Anime was still here. That this is a this is a community issue, mm -hmm. right? Definitely. So I think it's one thing to ask schools to support this initiative, but I want to 
make sure that we're a part of the bigger conversation with the town and that there's other community groups that are joining in to support this initiative, right? Yes, I think that's hugely important. I and that is our aim and our goal. We've already begun a conversation with a few different youth sports groups. Um, we've reached out to Bellforge to speak about it. Our goal is to have every youth-focused kind of organization or business be signed on to Raising the Bar. Okay. This is meant to be a community initiative. I think what you said is really important that I think folks think about the schools as solving all young people's problems because they tend to have them for a lot of hours. Um, in the day and kind of in their lives and as a community kind of focused we, we focus on all aspects of things that um you know impact youth substance use and we first and foremost understand exactly what you're saying that the schools is one space but it's not all the spaces right you guys um, play a role but you don't play all the roles and it really you know our coalition is made up of 12 sectors throughout the community for that reason Right. This is not a school issue. This is a community issue. And I think that's something that we completely understand. And you guys play a big role in leading the community. And so I think having you all sign on is is good. You know, it's good to have in our pockets. So right. That, you know, the schools did it and it right. can help us really um, kind of, you know, push other people to think about about signing up. So. Or a question about who does Chris Herring talk to? Our whole high school or just the seniors no. or juniors. juniors and seniors? Yeah. Have you all yeah. seen this presentation? I so I thought like 15 years ago or something. Because that's a place where all the kids are in, like, or juniors and seniors are there. Does he talk about this new science of like delaying it? Yeah. Because like I remember his presentation vaguely. I know who he is. I know kind of the story. But like, and I don't know if he'd be open to like, could you slip some of this in there? Like maybe I'm like overstepping here, but like if, if this new like delay, delay thing is, is the new tactic. I'm just wondering if there's any room, if you guys or we reach out to him, because like we talk about this is a parent initiative, community initiative, but like that's a person that's gonna be in front of our kids talking about substance abuse. And there might be something there. Cause I, I, I don't know if he's been, in the same presentation for 15 years or if it's evolved over well, I think time it, i think it changed I think one of the things that he does is that he tells his story from the point of view of that he started drinking really young right you know and that how bad that was and, and cites some of this data um it's it's a pretty powerful presentation that he does yeah. each, each time you know um it, it's home for some kids and we have to you know do some support afterward for some kids but i think you know chris has been it's been evolving. It's not the same thing every time. Right. I just didn't know if we had any of the new data that, like, Kyler knows that yeah. like, could help yeah. make it even more powerful. We typically talk to him beforehand because he yeah. does a one part he does do is a quick video and he'll talk with us. So that's something I can mention to him as well. So I saw his presentation two years ago and um, I heard mixed things about it. So I was kind of excited to be there. And I think that what Dr. Samar has been saying is is what happened. It's it is more of a storytelling. It right. talks about how remember. him starting early impacted this whole like snowball effect. And it is it is one approach. I think you know what we did last year is we brought in someone named Stephen Hill. Thank you. Um, who came in and he's more of a local guy. He had a similar sort of story, but he is very steeped in prevention work. He understands the science behind it. He's a a lawyer now, um, and he also had a parent component. We have trouble getting parents to the table, as I'm sure you all um, can potentially uh, understand. So I think um, 
there's a lot of different approaches. I also think it's worth noting that prevention science says that that one stop shop is not effective. So it works really short term, right? If it happens right before prom, it's probably pretty protective, like for prom. Stephen Hill, though, I think he was relatable from a Medfield student perspective. He was like them, the multi sport captain, raised in a good family, two parent homes, affluent, like things were going well in his life. And he went off course, very different from then started drinking as well. So he was, I think, more relatable. But I think our MLAS data shows that the left frame might be too late to be getting I think it is. We might want to get that message out earlier. Yeah, they um, say nine, nine, you should be talking about this stuff at nine years old. And I don't know if that's necessarily something the school. In a development yeah, of course. I'm just trying to think first with nine year olds. I'm not sure that would be. Yeah, no, not Chris. Um, <laughs> I also like... think, you know, there, oh, okay. Tyler and I do this work kind of all day long. And I think um, one of the things we found, which we've been actually speaking to, to different folks about, is some good curriculum that aligns with the new standards for wellness um, that addresses substance use, not and it starts at you know kindergarten, but it doesn't talk about drugs and alcohol necessarily. It talks about how to make decisions, how to um, find out who you are and go from you know A to B, how to like navigate your life and be resilient, but also be able to say no. And then when it's age appropriate, how to talk about how to, how to understand um, what alcohol does to your body, um, while also you know being able to navigate your friendships and. And understand those practice those techniques as refusal skills. So I think that there's a lot of opportunity here. I don't know if any of you had the chance to come and see our screenagers under the influence screening, which was two we, we had a meeting. We had a meeting. We oh yeah. Meeting. Dang, that was the worst. Um, but we have a actual we have a um, a video from Medfield TV of the panel. Um, so I think that was really impactful. It had doctors and, and all sorts of folks on there, um, and Kathy moderated it. So I think we're we're trying to do the work to to come in at all different angles because Chris Heron or Stephen Hill works for some folks, but like we mentioned, that those one-time things make an impact for a short period of time, and it's more like how can we talk about um, things that put folks at risk or protect them from using substances and and kind of you know promote the protective factors and reduce those risk factors overall. So we're happy to come back and talk more. Yeah, just so I one, just that was front of mind for me. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, just just one comment. And very, I, I think the target here, being the adults, is yeah. appropriate. I, I I happened to see Chris in, outside of school, outside of Medfield, mm -hmm. a couple of years ago. It was students and parents, and he went after the parents. He he really he he said, you know, look, the winter time, I probably would have had three or four nights a week if I wasn't in so and so's basement. And you know, he, he, you know, it was it was strong in that room when he, when he, he said, "Don't do it, don't allow that posting." You know, so that I think this this is spot on. I, I think some of that was he originally did that at Medfield, where we invited parents and no one, no one should. You know, it's that's compelling provided parents are showing up. Yeah, yeah, I think it. There's a lot of competing um, topics for parents' attention, and unless I think you have a a direct connection with someone who's who's living with a substance use disorder or you understand the outcomes, it doesn't always feel kind of front of mind. So I think that um, you know some of our tactics try to get bridge parents where where they're at. But I think this is one of those those opportunities to kind of deepen that conversation and 
allow folks to self-reflect. I know what we've said with MCAT for years is that we should be really targeting elementary parents for this stuff. Yep. You know, and trying to get them involved, so get them in, on board, and they understand that you blink of an eye, your kids are going to be at this age level. You're going to have to deal with that kind of thing. I was just thinking too about um, Dr. Ruth Bote, who came yeah. mm -hmm. six, seven years ago now. You know, she was pretty powerful. We had a good, good group of parents that night. Yeah. I mean, probably 60 or 70 parents. So that'd be a Maybe a nice one to bring back. She was fantastic. Well, and we know that whenever the school supports what we do mm -hmm. and sends out communications about it and shows up for it, um, it makes a difference mm -hmm, in, sure. in our attendance numbers and um, the reach because the folks are looking at you all. Hmm? The retweets. The retweets. Oh, they're the best. Oh. Like, can you please? Is it possible to share the screen one more time? I just want to pull up that last slide for you all. So this is for, for you here, but also for um, the folks at home. So I know you all received a mailer, but I think that this um, here on the right-hand side of the screen is really important. It reminds you about our parent survey that's just gone out. We're going to be doing this every two years in connection with the Metro West Adolescent Health Survey. The idea is to capture parent attitudes as they relate to use substance use so we can know kind of where to target our, um, our efforts. I hear you all talking about data and assessment. We do that constantly. We're always evaluating and programming and using evidence-based strategies. Also, you'll see here on uh, the other side is our contact information. So we're always here. Um, we call Medfield Outreach at any time. Well, maybe not any time. We're not there all the time, 9 to 5, Monday through Friday. Um, or send us an email, and you know we want to talk to folks. So thank you for your time. Great, thank you. Yeah, yeah thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, yeah. I appreciate that. Uh, okay, so I think <clears throat> Dr. Marsden, you're going to give us an update on the 2022-23 student. In your materials, um, Chair, you had the October 1 enrollment for the district. Um, you'll see that there's 2,504 kids in total. Uh, last year at that October 1, we had 2,516, so 12 less um, this year than, than last year. Uh, one of the things that we're, we're looking at, too, and you'll see when we do the first round of the budget presentations in December is that we're going to look at probably adding an additional teacher for full day kindergarten next year. Uh, the expected kindergarten group coming in is larger than what we had this year, it'll be over 200. That's the, that's the um, projections. So we'll look at adding an additional um, kindergarten class next year to, to kind of make up for that. You'll also see in the, in the data that this is the, the end of those small groups of kids coming through. You remember a few years ago when that, that group of those classes were going into middle school we looked at reducing middle school staffing at that point and we didn't do that so now that group is now graduating you know that they're now sophomores juniors and seniors so we'll have uh, lots of large groups after that as you can see uh, everyone the second grade being largest with 207 and fourth grade with 206 but everyone's right around 200 uh, in all of our grade levels but we'll have we're, we're anticipating more than 200 in our kindergarten classes next year and if we stick to the school committee's recommendation of 22 in those full day kindergarten classes. We'll need another teacher in that grade. Do you have a classroom? Yeah, that was going to be my question. <laughs> so we're going to probably have to um, take the teacher's room or something. We're going to have, we're, Missy and I are still working on that. Uh, to look at space. We're not sure where it's going to be, but uh, we do have some some other, other classrooms, but we don't have per se a dedicated kindergarten classroom that we can use. So we'll have to take another classroom. That's the plan. Unless we can build modules real quick. <laughs> and you know, I mean, we, we added the preschool 
we locked this past year because right. we ran out of space there too. So. Yeah. I mean, there's modulars. I know I bring it up every well, once a year. <laughs> Is that an option? I mean, we knew this was coming. That's why we talked about a three, four, five for the new school and making yeah. uh, making this a pre-K K building and yeah. one, two at Wheelock. So we that was our plan all along. So that's we knew this was coming. Now we're gonna kind of pivot and do a different plan. Any questions on on moment or anything? Short topics. Um, I would, I would say the only thing we've heard I've heard recently was about class size and second grade yeah yeah because of this from 23s and 24s i guess so a couple of them yeah so it's... But, sorry just i heard that as well but i'm just curious um the fourth graders are similar in size yeah okay yeah same size um so actually second grade is within your recommendation guidelines yeah um the average class size is the 23 so that's what you know is recommended in there there's one class that has a as 24 25 and the others have 22 with an average of 23 which is what your guidelines say uh, for grades two to four, so we're within those within that uh, capture area of, of what your policy states. Yeah, and we, just looking through the the first and third, they're always going to be the lumpy, not lumpy, just larger. You know, that's the, that I imagine always is something you get used to. Well, I, mean, I think you know one of the things that is I think for parents, I mean the parent that has concern around that is that they're used to having. Memorial, we employ a lot of assistance in Memorial. Right. You know, so we do that as classroom assistance in the kindergarten program, which, by the way, there are many districts that don't do that. I can't imagine running a kindergarten classroom without having a full-time assistant. And there are lots of places that do it. But spend an hour in a kindergarten classroom, and you'll be amazed that you absolutely need that extra person there. I would never recommend not having that. And we have additional folks in first grade as well, but not every single classroom, but assigned to every couple of classrooms. So that brings it down a little bit. That doesn't happen at Wheelock, so um, I think there's a, a little bit of uh, move to more independence once you get into second and third grade at Wheelock, and we don't have the additional staffing. We have building substitutes that help out and, and teaching assistants for sure, but nothing that we have at Wheelock. No, I'm just scanning the numbers and wondering what's going to happen when they get to Dale. Well, I mean, I think there's, <clears throat> we looked at the projections. We, we do have projections of, of classrooms in the coming years in the 230 range you know so we do have those projections and those are the those are nesdaq ones so we just sent in our nesdaq information was it last week andrea yeah. so last week or week before so we should be getting the most recent ones so as soon as we get them you know we use those as part of the budget process so once we get those we'll be able to share them with you and put them on the website we did last year but i mean it's a building project aside i mean i I'm, have there been a conversation or or should we start having conversation about the idea of portable classrooms, even if they are, you know, attached to say Dale right the second, and then maybe moved to Memorial, you know, if needed, as if this is actually the trend, um, you know, with without the building project. Right. You know, um, it might be a really good conversation after December if we know we got back into MSBA or not, because I right. think that changes every that's going to change a lot. That, it's still three years. Though. I know, but. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we could certainly, we, we looked at spacing when we're at Memorial, where to put them. We we're looking at doing them on the, on the preschool side, um, putting them over there, detached if we needed to. Uh, we'd like to attach them to the building, but we mm -hmm. thought we'd do it on the North Street side. That flat area over there would be a good spot, and there's a hookup for electricity and everything over there. So we've looked at all that. We just don't know, you know, when we can 
we'll be able to fund that and, and that'll be a capital expense and, and yeah. we gotta just take a look at the new numbers and see if that's gonna be something we're gonna need to do but I mean, clearly we're we probably have to space. lease them because the number would be really high. They're, I'm sure they're very expensive now. I mean, but... for the folks at home that are watching that say, well, when my kid was there, we had 3,100. You had 3,100, but you also had 28, 29, 30 kids in the classroom. We can go back to that. We can get back to the, we can we can house 3,000 kids. It's just that you're not going to have the, the student-to-teacher ratio that you enjoy right. now. So anything, there's a finite number of classrooms, right? Yeah. And they're all being used. It's yeah. just... Right now, there are less kids in than there were, right. you know, 10 years ago when we had larger numbers. Can't, you can't put 28 kids in the damn class. <laughs> I mean, they were. I mean, you they can. They had, there were 700, 740 square foot classrooms, and there were, you yeah. know, 28, 29 kids in them. Like maybe that's something to keep as a live yeah. item, you know, whether it's uh, some research on lease opportunities, availability alone, I think is probably one of the major concerns. Right. Is just availability of of those portable classrooms. Um, so. And there are a lot. I mean, you have to put them on real foundations, too. It's yep. not like you can just plop them down like people think. There's a yeah. lot to that. I, as if a you want them to last, you have to put them. Yeah, on I mean, as a principal, I put on eight one one summer. It was yeah. it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot to do that. The so. project. Okay, I uh, want to move to uh, superintendent goals. Sure. Okay. So, um, in your materials, you have the updated goals, and this is really a, an outgrowth of um, conversations I had with Tim and Michelle, and we talked a little bit about. You know, how we're going to mesh last year's goals and this year's goals. If you remember, on um, June 12th, I gave an update of the 22, 23, 23, 24 goals. And in that first paragraph, I added with the completion of the new strategic plan, I think it makes sense to review the goals in October slash November timeframe and adjust based on the initiative identified in the new five-year plan. So that's really what we're doing here is taking a look at some of the initiatives that came out of the plan. And then there's a couple from last year that are in there as well. So Happy to go through them or answer any questions, whatever whatever you think, Tim. I'll go through each one or I'll just answer questions either, either way works for me. I, I reviewed it. I mean, I, I was actually, because I've seen these over a number of years, I, I did, I think maybe it's because of the year we did strategic plan. Then you did what is the target, you know, what's the plan, carve out of the strategic plan, what do we want to do this year? We did additional study around what, what we as a school committee want to do with the, embracing that. Mm -hmm. So I, what I found was the way it's, I want to be careful, ladder, they're, they're, there's great alignment, and it it was very, you know, what I see here is consistent with what we've yeah, mm -hmm. so I, I was pleased, because I, I have seen these sometimes where it's multiple pages, and, and, uh, I, I like the clarity of it. I think the one that I think you, you can, I think it will be very effective as we look towards the end of the year, the goal number four, mm -hmm. right? That, like that's, that's broad. Right. And I think it was, it was meant to do that because each year when I give you an update in September on the strategic priorities, then that will encompass number four, right? So that would be focusing on whatever in September whether it's through a workshop with you guys in, in August and the leadership team, whatever is decided at that point then becomes a priority for that year. So then it made sense for me to be continue working on whatever those priorities are in addition to what we have on the list. 
if anyone else needs a minute, I think they've seen it once or twice. No, the only one, one I mean, these are this is for this year, we're in the middle of the is this like a two year cycle, right? So, the middle of the two year, yeah, so the middle of two years. So, right. mine would just be like, uh, any so this by June, right? Just the, the professional practice goal with the, the one about communication, mm -hmm. so internal external communication plan by reviewing, implement any recommendations from an outside assessment. Like, what I guess, what would have we do we have an outside assessment happening yet? So we're just about there. Yeah. We're about so it'll be, plan. yeah, so we would have the outside assessment done probably uh, December, January timeframe, and okay. then report in early spring with recommendations. So that will okay. definitely be. I was doing just a timeline on that. The rest of them seem to make yeah. sense in line with our strategic plan. Yeah, I think that, that to me is, I think that we've had other conversations. That's necessary. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. He would comprehensive internal external. So I, I think um, so I'm pleased with them. I think our job together effectively is to go out with them. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. No, so unless there's anything else, which is good. I, and we typically, I don't think we approve. You can vote. You can vote if you'd like, or you just give endorsement to. Yeah, we've done it both ways while I've been here. So whatever you'd like to do is. Then is the vote just to accept it? Want to vote at the next meeting? I think that protects Jeff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I, I don't. Unless you, know, you want to have it on the agenda, the next meeting, and vote then. It's up to you. Whatever you'd like. I don't. I don't need to. Part of my job is to help and yeah. evaluate, look and see is there angst. I think there's a couple other topics that. I think everybody's nicely supported. They can be revisited at any time, but we could vote through them. Oh, just push it to the next meeting. Yeah, push the next meeting. I'm happy to vote on it. It just covers a bunch of strategic plan and stuff. I'll make a motion to approve the superintendent's performance goals as presented. Second. All in favor? Aye. Thank you. Um, and then, and I had two uh, versions. So other items since posting, I think is probably what we're going to talk about. Yeah, that's within the narrative. So right. Um, this, this is the new version. Okay. Okay. Good. Um, yeah, and that that uh, I did I even the formatting. But so we we updated the agenda to account for the resignation. And uh, so I wanted to talk about that. That I shared. So first, I want to do is make sure um, we're all on the same page. This is the first I've been a part of a, a resignation and what happens. Um, so um, what happens? Uh, and, and Michelle, Michelle and I have gone through this. So correct me, or as I'm paraphrasing. Uh -huh. Yeah. But that's so resignation creates a vacancy uh, within the committee. Um, our the school committee policies are not identical to all other committees in town. So sometimes people might ask, and even as we we talked through that with the select board, um, our policies do are they consistent with the, the mass state laws? Um, it creates a vacancy until the next general election, and then at the next general election. Um, 
the uh, really the public will vote for the candidate to complete that term. Okay, so um, really we uh, are going to be uh, collaborating and, and voting with the select board um, to make an appointment. Um, you know, as, as soon as really as soon as, as soon as we can. A temporary appointment yeah, between it's, it's now and temporary the appointment now until March twenty sixth. Right. And then um, that term has two more years. And we, we did ask on this. So, so at, at the um, and I know I think uh, Leo, your term is up. So, so mm -hmm. when when uh, the public comes, there there would be they would be voting on one term for two years and one term for three. So um, reading through and it's in the packet is policy um, BBBE um, on expired term fulfillment and the steps. I'm just oversimplifying rather than read. Um, notify the select board once that has occurred. Um, the resignation came in yesterday and we notified the select board yesterday. Um, then there's seven days for the public to state their candidacy. And, um, you know, so that says, hey, I raise your hand, I'm interested in participating. Um, we meet with the select board. Right now I looked at their calendars. They, they have meetings on November 28th as well as December 2nd. I think it's uh, December 16th as well. But so we would um, theoretically um, meet with the select board um, and we would vote uh, collectively and um, majority. One candidate has to get a majority. So if it was three for one candidate, two for one candidate, and um, one one, so it would be seven people, we would iterate. Until we until at least one candidate has, has four votes, um, and uh, you know, and then our job and think of it almost like as the scope is to um, really make the appointment for the period until the general election. Okay. So we, we just want we want to think about it in that vein, you know, to, to sort of, that, that that's what the appointment is. So it's a, a relatively short period, but there's there's a lot going on. So I think that is the process. I have a couple questions that I want us to think about. This, as I go through it, I kind of think about, okay, so um, what's the most effective way to review the candidates? Right. And, and um, so but before going through that, I just want to see if there's any questions as to what. Well, I'm trying to recall how we did it in the past. Um, we've done this twice now, right, Jeff, since I've been on. Oh, just once. Just once? Okay. Well, my, my question is just about uh, so people can throw their hat in the ring by emailing. Like, what is our expectation? Like, if I just say, hey, I'm Will, I want to do it. Hey, I'm Michelle. Like, is there a cover letter or a resume? Yeah, that's what we're going to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's, so I, it took a little while, it, 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 you know, net, netting it out. That, that The process, though, is it's clearly laid out in our, our policy yeah. manual. Um, you know, we did also check. You know, there, there's been some checking with MAC, and, and so that's the process. Um, but that that's immediately. How do we? Someone showed up at one point and just said, "I would do it." Like at the meeting that we were voting at, they could show up at that meeting and nominate themselves. So that's what I think. When we look at our policy, though, I, I don't think that is what we're. I recognize that's what happened. Yeah. But I think because we've we're you know looking at our policy closely right, right now, and we've already published an end date. We're looking specifically for people who want to raise their hand, 
by next Wednesday at 5 o'clock. And then what we're going to talk about right now is the process to evaluate those individuals so that ourselves and the select board can assess the information collectively and be able to vote for somebody to, you know, sit in the seat from now until March. And then the public gets to so decide I guess to Will's that. point, for those people who are emailing, um, yeah. are we asking them for a cover letter or yeah that's, what, so, so let me, right that's kind of what i want is, is um so what's the most effective way to review um my thought would be are there three to five questions if it were a cover letter or, or so we, we also you know I, I actually i worked backwards we did um talk to masc um this morning and we did some research with, with other towns the what i would say the masc recommendation was bring the candidates forward um for an interview as part of that meeting with the select board. Um, keep it net, you know, it's not, it, it is an appointment for a, a relatively short period of time. Bring them um, forward for the interviews and then vote. That, that was at least what, what um, MASC said. And looking at other towns, we probably pulled up, I, I didn't go to all, all, but it seemed to be the general pattern is, there's an application, the application has a series of questions there's a, you know, an ask to join an interview. And then there's the... the interview is at the meeting, I'm guessing, right? Yeah. Now, now so that's, that's my, where I, my head went was. Yeah, well, we've well... had a lot of discussions today because I think at the end of the day, too, we want to make sure that everybody Ooh. is being assessed the same way. So one of the things we talked about today was you can have an in-person interview or you can ask a candidate, you can ask everybody the same questions. It can be two, three, or four, five, however many we want, and say, we want you to complete these questions by X date, and you can only do it on one page or two page or something like that, and giving everybody the same parameters for us and the select board to be able to evaluate them. So I think there's a couple different avenues we can think about in regards to how we're going to be able to get the information we need to appoint somebody temporarily, right? And there's a lot of different ways you can think about how you're going to be able to get that information. But I think it's important that we make sure we're being consistent with everybody who's throwing their hat in the ring. In the interest of time, too, I, would, right. I think it needs also to be yes. Because I talked to Mary somewhat today, streamlined. Too. Yeah, streamlined, <laughs> and she said people can pull papers in mid-December, is what she's shooting for. For March. Yes. Yeah. So I think that's something to think about as well. So that's what we're talking about. I would say, like, wait, do we have to do the interviews, or that was just recommended? We don't. Correct. Recommended. We, we I would say like one page cover letter. Let's go. Because yeah, we have a week, and then we have that was the other thing I was going to ask is on the date when we're going to vote. But it sounds like we have. Oh, so the way the way the policy is, it's seven days for to Notify. get the list of candidates. Right. And then it it's not crystal clear as to you know you can take within reason. Yeah. So we thought it was it's seven days from you know with the, with the Thanksgiving holiday works pretty well that we at least have the candidates. And then what I wanted to leave today with was directionally, what are some questions we would want, whether it's interviews or, um, you know, in an application. And um, then just make sure that the select board is also, I think they meet next Tuesday. So I was going to try to talk to Pete or, or, or one of them and just say, hey, this is what the school committee is, is thinking of a process perspective. Do you guys support it? And then I, I think we would target that December 2nd, maybe we join the select board meeting. I will say too, they, the select board also had a 
I don't know if I have it open right now. They have a policy on appointments that I thought could be interesting for us to reference. Um, I guess because there is a policy in place for another, you know, executive branch of our town government that also does appointments and will be joining us to kind of look at their own guidelines and take some of that into, oh. Uh, I looked at this earlier, if you guys want to look at this. Yeah. I just say, I don't want, it's a short, it's a short appointment and we have to kind of turn it around fast. I would say my idea vote is like, tell all these people if they put their name in to write a one page on why they should do it. If you guys want to come up with questions and hash it out, we can do that, but I don't even think that no, complicated. Or I don't think we should have a complicated either. Um, yeah, and I looked at a couple of them, you know, like it's it, not over complicated. You might just, just have, have you might just have a cover letter and ask for certain, you know, certain items, you know. Like why uh, well, well actually, actually, no, I actually would rather them just, let's, let's just ask for a cover letter. Because yeah, and, so, and well, then what they choose to share. Why then you interest in the position qualifications? Because um, this isn't like an application for a job. And then here's why. Hear me out. This is driven by people's passion. You know, that's why we're here. Okay. When that, it's not uh, financially motivated. It's, you know, it's civically motivated. So I think that allowing somebody to, with that in mind, share um, about themselves and let them figure out what's best to put into the letter, what they feel is important to go into a letter for this, you know, for a message for this type of vacancy. To Will's point, like one page max. And I think that reflecting on what someone chooses to put in that, that writing, I think is important, right? Let them make that decision, right? Um, and I think that's, I know it sounds a little, it may sound cryptic in the sense of, but it's because, but it's not a formal interview per se. Yeah, my, my debate is just a matter of, so if I get, you know, there, there are candidates that raise their hand, which is, mm -hmm. you know, I, I wasn't sure what to expect. So not my debate is just, if I have, if I read three or four of these one pages, do I feel, again, it's appointment for a short period, do I feel comfortable with There'll be no shortage of other people's opinions as well. We could ask them to send an optional resume, like not require it, but if they felt like that strengthened their case, I mean, I'm assuming most of these people have a resume handy, and that might be additional information that someone found helpful. I think sure. I would want to, like, I, I agree with the one-pager statement, but I do think there should be some direction around why you want this, because I think that goes in line with what you're saying. I, I am interested if you have qualifications that like you feel would benefit you in this role and then anything else you'd want us to know. I actually think those three parameters, like your why, uh, your what, and anything else that we need to know would kind of help have a, a, a loose framework, I guess, around instead of just sure. super open-ended, I guess. I think that's fair. I, I think, you know, why, what, why are you interested? What, what do you think makes you qualified? Whatever, Anything else? Statement. Yeah. And optional resume. Yeah. So if you submit a resume, we'll look at the resume. And so when are we asking to, for those to be submitted by, I think, would be the next question. So if we, um, you know, I would, I would like to have 
time to review. Okay. I, I would, have to would get a challenge with the like, select board too. Right. Yeah. If so, if the select board already has a meeting or. Um, let me look, I looked it up earlier, but I think it's. Did you say the second? That's a Saturday? Did you know no, it's not. Okay. Oh, okay. It's the fifth. So I would have given you completed the wrong day. I just looked it up the wrong day. Tuesday, December 5th. And yeah. when's our next meeting on Tuesday? So, our our next, next meeting is December 13th. December 13th. So either one of those is fine. Oh, sorry, 14th, December 14th. Yeah, yeah. So the fifth is probably okay, and it gives a smith. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's not okay. I'm, I'm not a town Zoom in. But the 14th would be easier for me. But if we want to do it faster, I can be on a Zoom. The 28th? The 28th of November? I think the 28th doesn't give you the seven day window. Do they need a seven day window? You just launched the seven day window. The 28th yesterday. of November. It's, Um, no, because we, I mean, the way we notify it, I think it would be worthwhile if there's, you know, putting a, effectively, you can notice with it through the schools, but the way we notify, we've just said, raise your hand. Oh, yeah, Jeff, can, are you able to do that tomorrow? So it should come from you guys. Okay. I mean, it only, it only came okay. from me last time because the school committee wasn't sending emails out. So. I see. Okay. Yeah. So, but I can get you an email that we can send out sure. tomorrow. Sure. Okay. Yeah. It was on patch already, right? It was, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think we would just update it and say we want, you know, we can write this. Ask Pete Peterson to put it out. Yeah. I did, he already oh, posted it yesterday, yeah. Yeah, you know, one pager with those three elements. We'd like it, if we, I mean, do we want to do it on the 28th? Um, shoot, I am away. Right now, I'm away on the 28th, 29th. You want to touch base with the select bar? Yeah, yeah, yeah I want to know yeah. some dates See after when they that. want to do it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, and then it could be fairly, and I just think you would just, I have to work, I think maybe it's review Robert's rules again, what happens, you know, in the scenarios where the votes, you know, depending how they go, um, I asked the MASC and they said, yes, yeah, sometimes you have to repeat, you know, so, um, okay, that, that all, I mean, everyone, so an application, the roughly three questions, limited to one page, that's what we would ask. Yeah. Um, optional resume and submitted. Um, you know, it's not going to be on the 28th, right? Submitted no. by the 30th of the month. Well, they could submit it. They go. Week from Monday, like by seven, you know, something. I give it, give the. Yeah, give it's, the it's select just, we're board. We're not going to vote on it till. I'm just saying it's not. You want to give the select board time. You want to. You have to collect them and then give it to them too. Right. We'll, we'll just get it. That's just it. We'll work with them. Anyway, I, it would be. It, would it is a sense. holiday next to it. Yeah, if if it fell on Tuesday the fifth, a week before. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And that way, if you're all running around in the holiday, right. no matter what, it's net. But it would still, if I if I were submitting it, I would take a lot of time to try to figure out, hey, what do I want to say? Huh. Leo wants people working. Thanksgiving holiday. I just want just don't want it to drag on. Michelle would have it done before. Him. I would. Before she goes anywhere. Okay. Any other questions?
that, that all sounds good. Um, so now we'll go to um, anything else? Nothing else. Okay, I can just do one quick thing. So, speaking of the select board, they moved their start times of their meeting to 6 o'clock. They did. So, uh, I, I don't want to talk about that as something that we should discuss right now, but is that something we would want to discuss in the future, or is that like a no go for us? What are our thoughts on that, I guess? Works for me. So, yeah, I, I guess I would say I'm definitely right now future agenda item. Okay. Okay. Why not? You could just say yeah, so you can schedule it whenever you want. Right. <laughs> we don't need to discuss it. It's not an agenda. Probably good to talk to everybody, though. Okay. Let's just add that as a future agenda. Right yeah. uh, okay. The um, um, yeah. Which, we, <laughs> what's the um, um, was there a decision to move it earlier just because of the amount, how long they go, or was it um, for convenience for folks? I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know why they chose to move And then you, uh, what, what do you recommend? Are you, are we recommending it so that we're not keeping Paul Molly up to like late into the evening, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think that, um, that's why I'm recommending well, we those, add it yeah. as an agenda. <laughs> it's not an agenda. Right, yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. I think I have a gavel. Oh, it's not, they got you on it. <laughs> but I love Leo's <laughs> delivery too. Um, so the uh, strategic plan update. I think that's so, Mr. Chair, the only thing I would update is the, the dashboard. So after our conversation last week, um, we're going to make some changes to it and some updates. So um, um, meet with Neil, and we're looking at launching it now. But after Thanksgiving, based on the, the changes, so. We just have to play around with the structure and the format, and then we'll be ready to go. It's ready to go now, but based on the, the feedback um, I got from you guys, I think it's we should just make those changes. And yeah, I think it's worth worth spending a minute or two. We were out at the MASC conference. They talked. Um, there was one session about rolling out the strategic plan. Um, Medfield was actually called out in a favorable way for you know um, in a good way. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> In a, in a favorable way is, is model. I think they had some really great ideas in terms of can you take pieces of that strategic plan and bring it into the website. Um, maybe, again, remembering some of the key points, building each other. We need to be living that day in and day out. Um, they did talk a little bit about the dashboard or the, the scorecard. I, I always think about quantitative versus qualitative. And once you start with that scorecard, you stay with the scorecard. Um, I'd like to see almost a draft, and we, we almost would say, hey, if you had it, think mm -hmm. about it for a couple months. Mm -hmm. How would you report back on it? Mm -hmm. And I would I would almost say, hey, that's the you know the prototype of that scorecard, giving you the right to. It is still you know we have our goals are separate, right. but but it, it needs to be workable, and something that you three years later you say, okay, how are we doing on the strategic plan? So that, I think that was the conversation, mm -hmm. and it was consistent with. The, I also I, I love the the way the strategic I, I forget I wasn't gay, so I was not the other but the way it was rolled out it's, it's great that's all I have okay and I and I also I would say too I you know one of the things that Dr. Marsden said is that he's welcoming that dashboard scorecard it's great but you want the accountability there right. yourself for everyone yeah absolutely which is great um. So the school building committee update. 
Sure. So I think we have an empty seat now. And the next meeting is December 6th. And Tim can't serve with me due to the bylaw. So do either of you have interest in being the SBC? I don't think I can. Why? My seat's up. So. Oh, okay. You technically can't. Yeah. Right. It would just be that the seat would be a temporary. It would be like the appointment in the event that um, we, we did not return. Well, um, if it was a convenient, I'll, have a ton of in it, I'll, I'll do it. Yeah. We, we need somebody there. So yeah, technically, I'll, I'll do it for the. Be. I'll do it for the. Until the election. And then we'll reevaluate. Does, re does that make more sense than having? What 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 do you? Are you like I, I, I saw a little more, you know, like. I, I didn't hear wild excitement either one, but I, you were on it before. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's an important, it's an important item. So, yeah, that's, that's fine. That's fine. I, I'm, I support yeah, one, one of the things. So let's talk a little what, bit about the, the meeting first... the other night as well. Yes, true. But I want to make sure that we have a, not an empty seat. Coming right. We're going to, we're going to. Let's circle yeah. back, because okay. right? I'd love to just, um, I don't know, given your, we were all there for a change, which I pulled off my commentary. No, my, my commentary for what Michael has done, right. bringing that team together. Mm -hmm. You know, I think a, a year ago, as we, we, we all dominated folks, like, no agenda, everyone kind of getting in there, getting to know one another. I thought the update was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, as he's giving an update, I'm thinking to myself, I have this question, this question, and like his next sentence is answering those questions. So, so I, I you know, I, I, I commend with the work that's been done um, by that group. I thought the, I thought the meeting overall was very positive. Um, I think it was, it was um, I think the, the, there's been a little change on the select board, I think, in their, their view of it compared to the past. But that was, but I, this is a new, this is a new, opportunity this is a new chance the need is still there so um regardless of what happened in the past it's going to be there and it's the the reality of the situation is that the price will just continue to go up the further you the longer you wait so and you know i do echo concerns uh you know around the household impact um you know it's it's much higher than uh, the msba number is still uh, to 25% higher per household than it was uh, the first time around. And, you know, so I think it's still a few years ago, but it's not, not ancient history yet, you know? So I think that's going to be something that communicating how much it's going to be is going to be important. So I do like the, the creative ideas too about um, maybe biting off now while we're getting our ducks in a row. And so it's not all at once. And I think that's also a really great idea. Actually, I think that would be an, a very, very solid idea for the town. And also, like Gus was saying, how allowing more stuff coming off, um, coming off of our, uh, our, what we're spending. So I think that's all good planning uh, around that. And, you know, um, not to reflect, but have anyone been watching the Andover news? Yeah. Uh, what's been going on there? So we know that the, they reached an agreement for the contract with teachers, but they're also following it up with a override for a four hundred million dollar high school. Right. With an average impact household tax impact of about between sixteen and eighteen hundred dollars, so per household, which is huge. 
I thought, especially when um, a friend of mine who lives there, his taxes are $6,500, so you could think it's like a third, almost a third. So, um, so those are just, um, that was some of the, the raw numbers, I think was the part that I think is communicating that, so it's yeah. not sticker shock. Yeah, I think it was interesting, because they, they did an excellent job of giving numbers, and it seemed to me like then the select board asked again, I need a number, and it's like, we gave you a number, and I think it was the number was much higher, it's higher than any of us want. Right. But then I thought, you know, so I, I think that to me was a little. We need to continue to work, you know, as a, as a community and as a as a group, and so that there's really there's support. And I think it's and I think it's it's really that awareness of the the problem, right? Awareness of the problem is a really big part of that. Right? So. And I, you know, one of the things I keep saying, Wheelock is not getting any younger. You know, behind, you know, I don't think it, I don't think it's as dire, you know, because classrooms seem pretty big over there, Jeff. Right? Well, Wheelock was built 54 years ago, which is yeah. the last school that Midfield was built. That the last new school 54 years. So they say, life, you want to build it 50 years? There you go. Pass yeah. that yeah. And it's still in great shape. I mean, I think it's in great shape, but. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna. I don't need some maintenance. Speaking. Relatively speaking, right? Yeah. I mean, I think it's it is what it is. It's been fifty-four years since we built the school. Yeah. Any other comments? Michelle wants to make sure she has. I just want someone that seat. <laughs> like, I'm okay. Um, I support um, Leo. I, I think there may be some interesting, you know, discussions and decisions over the next ninety days with that yeah. group. Given there, and, and uh, you know, so I think I, I would appreciate that. Like for that period, I think it would be great. Then we can reevaluate yep. come March. Do we have to vote them in, or are you making them an appointment? What did we do before? Did we? I think we voted. I think we voted. I'd like to nominate Leo Brem to fill the school committee seat on the SBC. All in favor? Aye. 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 Congratulations. Welcome back. I hope my wife's not watching this. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we're getting to the end here. Um, community engagement. Yes, and I want to go first. I've been excited to talk about my... went to the Dale PTO meeting last night. Uh, always, um, always a good group. Um, and I'm always blown away every time I sit in on a P, uh, PTO meeting. They do so much for our teachers oh my goodness like I've, I've just forgotten just all the things and how much time they put into it around supporting teachers in the classrooms and being so in tune um evidently there was a a a rug with no fire identification on it that had to be removed immediately from the dale street uh school and that a teacher had purchased and the pto is going to you know and buy her into the rug for her classroom to maintain a, a cozier space for the you know for the rooms. So, but um, some of the big takeaways um, is around the socks and pajama drive for the cradles to crayons group. Uh, they're planning a kids' night out um, coming up, and there's a conversation about some a guest speaker coming, an author, and. What else? There was some discussion around the MCPE applications for 
some of the grant monies, but I won't steal the thunder on those. And there's going to be a big door decorating contest at Dale. Um, coming up with the classrooms, decorate their doors, and they're going to be giving themes this year. So we're going to have uh, and identical materials will be distributed. So it'll be okay. around the creativity. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to swap the judging. The fourth grade will judge the fifth grade and Ooh, okay. vice versa so that can't can't load up. Right, Molly, you know you did. So <laughs> um, yeah, um, and the desperate need a call out for volunteers at Memorial. So I guess the Memorial is a little shy on volunteers. Um, and so that was some of the main takeaways. Okay. We have our informal conversations on Monday. December 4th, that'll be a Zoom at 7. Um, publication about that will start um, Monday, that will be on the patch on the 27th, and then run in the hometown weekly for the next two weeks. Yeah, yeah, next two weeks. And then we'll have it on our social pages as well. So there'll be a Google form for people to fill out um, to get in any questions or topics that they want to discuss and go from there. You know, and I would just say, um, you know, I think a couple things happened in the last couple of weeks. We've put a lot of effort into this over the last year or two. For me, it's working. I think um, oh, somebody I, I met with somebody. Insta. It, it goes, yeah there's, yeah, there's a bunch of good things that are happening on that. It, it, um, somebody um, came to me with a topic that they, you know, wanted to address within a school. And it was really helpful. She said, you know, it was great. Um, Will was at one of our PTL meetings, and I just happened to grab offline and Here's what I shared, and it was a, a feedback and, and you know suggestion that I think others had heard, and that's part of just by being present, right? Trying to break down the walls, make sure um, it's, these meetings are important, but a lot of times it's, it's, it's those ones. I think that was great. I thought it was awesome to hear what Nat said today. Um, he's saying working closely with the PTO for some of um, some of the the you know, I think it was the culture responsive practices. But that's that's kind of what we are trying to you know continue to make. That's sure. the third time too, because we also talked about with MCAP about working with the PTO, right? Yeah. So it's a very important, like you know, support organization and communication conduit for sure. Yeah. But yeah. So and even um, and and hats off to Michelle too. Um, you know, I, I'm surprised people are asking. If people are aware immediately about this point. That means that you know, I was saying it was an insta craze. It was. <laughs> um, it was an awesome idea. Six but... text messages almost instantaneously. <laughs> I think it was a great idea. You know, even things like Pete saying, "Hey, I put the word out. I get a lot of information from this blog." Yeah. You know, so just continuing to make sure all these different committees, where appropriate, can work work together. So, um, long way to go, no question about it. Right. But you know, I think it's uh, those are a few things that were helpful. We are, I think, down to informational items. All right, I just have a couple if I may. Yes. Um, so just busy weekend here. I just want to um, highlight a couple of things. Uh, good luck to our girls volleyball team is playing for the state championship tomorrow night at Worcester State at 6:30. So we have some support and a big theater weekend here, which is kind of weird. We have both the both schools having um, the musicals and plays at the same weekend, which I think happened last year too, which they. Have, we do some coordination on that, but we have Aladdin happening at Lake and Greece at the high school. So we're really excited to see that and, and wish all of them well. It'll be a yeah. big theater weekend in my household. <laughs> yeah, I got my Greece tickets Sunday, and it was I think like two weeks ago, it was almost sold out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Greece tickets for Saturday. Mm -hmm. Be there. 
Molly, anything you want? <laughs> um, no pressure here. <laughs> right now, we're doing our food drive. So it started on Monday, and it's going until, I guess, Tuesday night because we have Powerpuff. Do you guys know what that is? It's like the, yeah, okay. It's like the girls' um, flag football game. It's like the juniors versus the seniors. And so it ends technically that night because if you want to come see the game, you have to, your like ticket in is like a can or a food item. So that's going actually pretty well. And we'll deliver everything Wednesday after school to the food cupboard. So everything will be there for Thanksgiving. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Great job. Thank you. A small sigh of relief as we hit November for the seniors, and the graduate or the um, applications and whatnot. Um, not really. <laughs> we still have like deadlines. Like I still have, like, I mean, most people still have like regular decision to do too. If, like you don't have early action, and then it's like waiting to like antsy and waiting to find out if you get in anywhere. So. I mean, I feel like for early action, early decision, you find out in the middle of December, usually yeah. like late November, early, um, early to middle December. So we're getting there. I'm a mountain, you get to the top of that peak and then you're like, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But yeah. yeah, a lot going on for this week because there's like the food drive and then there's Greece and the volleyball game. There's a lot going on and Powerpuff. So there's a lot this week. All good stuff. Yeah, and then the dance is in two weeks from tomorrow, I think. Yeah, the it's a dance. We have a dance, oh, a school yeah. dance, the winter dance. <laughs> is it here? Yeah, it's in the gym. It'll be in the gym. Cool. Uh, future agenda items: district fees, um, meeting times. We just added, and uh, next meetings to start. Thank you. And start times. Yeah, I know. Uh, and next meeting is December 14th um, here and potentially December 5th, which we would do like we did a uh, SVC. It would be potentially December 5th or 11th. We'll have to do it Yeah, so and I'll reach out to Pete. Okay. So that December 14th meeting is our first draft of FY25 budget. So we'll present okay. that to as well. Emphasis on the word draft. Right. <laughs> yeah. Although I thought the guidance from Lauren was relatively promising. Right. Yeah. Right. So I thought that was good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, sorry we went out a little longer. That might be why we talked earlier. <laughs> Starting earlier. Uh, but a productive meeting. I loved the, um, you know, the first hour and a half. Yeah, that was good. Um, I have a motion to close. A motion. Okay. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Okay, thank you.